the smutty Tumblr right now, mm-hmm. everyone else is is just like tits and pussy and sex, and I'm just like, what if there was an anime girl and she had big boobs? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I literally <laughs> opened it up, saw the two girls holding hands, and I was just like. And just ironically to myself, what the fuck is this gay ass shit? And then I posted it. Welcome to 2016, your dear friends, the Soxcaster here to guide you into this brand new year of hope and potential. This is episode 36. I'm your host. Hold on a second. I need to check up on uh, Neko Atsume. Ooh, it's, I don't have this cat in my book yet. He's Willy. Hold on. I need to take a picture. It's Willie. He's a black cat with black stripes. Or he's kind of grayish. Uh, let's see here. There we go. I remember seeing screenshots of this and it looked uh, hella see, cute. Who are you? It is so oh. adorable. Shadow, Shadow, he's been hanging out for a while. Snowball keeps oh. coming back because uh, he loves that yarn ball. Uh, let's see. Take all those fish. All right. So, as I was saying, welcome to the Socks Cast. Oh my god. <laughs> to my immediate virtual right, he wants you to play with his dingaling. It's Rhett. Hi, we're starting off with penis stuff again. Well, Rhett, I mean, it's the best way to start the new year, wouldn't you agree? Sure. See? Everybody agree. Penis approved. The Socks Cast. It's great, isn't it? So, uh, Rhett, how you doing? You ready to kick off the new year? Another fresh batch of episodes to tickle these listeners' earbuds? Sure. <laughs> Very enthusiastic, as you can tell. But Rhett, Re- you really made just... a terrible mistake. Oh. In fact, it was actually an intentional mistake. No. Because I happen to be reading your secret Tumblr that you don't tell anybody about. Mm. And you said, and I'm quoting, let me read it directly. From your fingertips here. It's the the title of the post is said erectly. Well then, well I guess <laughs> you're kicking it off penis style. I'm just gonna name this. Uh, I'm just gonna rename the podcast uh, "Protect Your Penis," and we're just gonna give penis advice from now on. <laughs> How's that? Uh, but anyway, Rhett, your post here it's just it's just titled "Lol," and then it says "Lol." Didn't read this nerd's Zalaz's list on the Game of the Year cast on purpose. Nerd got dunked on. Lol. Wow, Rhett. That was pretty mean. Uh-huh. Super dickish, especially since this is probably just the best list. Yeah, but, uh, but John is going to be a deer. Uh, and he's going to read that list for us. So I'm going to read the whole thing. He's going to read the whole thing. Wait, who is it from? It's from Zalaz, our good pal, and he's also a co-host a of the Soxcast Gaiden. Yeah, yeah. So uh, go ahead and uh, hit us up with that, John, since you're not a dick. Cool. Well, here is his top four games of 2015, which are all, I can verify, all are awesome. <clears throat> Number four, We Know the Devil. This game got featured on Greenlight Gold Twitter account. 
recent today. Yes, it did. Oh, yeah, yeah, they just put it up on uh, Greenlight yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone go vote for We Know the Devil on Steam Greenlight. I already um, did. Cool. Se- second best game with a character named Neptune. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> of 2015. Slap that on the box. <laughs> My personal takeaway from this little visual novel was the unique structure and the masterful blending of eldritch horror with teen angst with a strong emphasis on the importance of human connection. Was, was that a complete sentence? Whatever. But what elevates this to game of the year status is, oddly enough, how other people re- received it. Obviously, as a cishet dude, I wasn't going to experience the same sorts of emotion the game's target audience would. But through secondhand accounts, I could tell that this game about queerness, ostracism, and overcoming a culture that promotes said ostracism resonated with a lot of people. Being able to connect with an audience on a deep emotional level is something I admire about good visual novels or really good game narratives in general. And I feel We Know the Devil embodies this and so much more. It may not be my favorite visual novel personally but it's still a very important one cool that game's hella good y'all should go play it it's six dollars and 66 cents i will at some point it's very cool. good that what it po- does polly has a lot of games right now i oh god <laughs> <laughs> all right well number can you imagine it really getting any better from there nope because it done. does nope. number three final fantasy legend two that is to say, the second and best saga game. I promise I'll make this brief. Last year, I played through the DS remake of this game, which was pretty good. Later, when I got a Droid phone for Christmas, I downloaded a Game, Year, game Boy emulator and thought, and thought to test it out whatever game it came to mind. Saga 2 DS was fresh in my mind, so I decided to go with that. That is to say, he played the Game Boy original. Much to my sister's chagrin, she wanted me hooked on puzzles and dragons. I wouldn't stop playing until I had cleared the game. Comparing the two now, the original Game Boy version holds up surprisingly well to the comparatively cluttered DS version. So yeah, it's a pretty good game, I guess. Oh, really went for it there at the end with the enthusiasm. Yeah, really just selling <laughs> it right there. Yeah. Saga 1 and 2 are both really, really good. I think Saga 2 is like a lot less like weird and nightmarish. I made a New Year's so resolution pop. that this podcast would have less Saga in 2016. <laughs> I'm already fucking up. And, um, but it's also a lot more fun to play. So you can kind of, I feel like everyone should basically play both of them, um, get the full experience. So number two, whatever, what be better? some other dumb final fantasy game. This one's, um, that's not saga final fantasy six. Um, I played quite a few final fantasies this year and managed to fit, finish the first seven in the main series. One was okay. Yeah. Two was bad, but in a fascinating way. So I beat that one twice. What? <laughs> Three on the DS was a little too grindy coming off of two. Four on the PS1 had a little more bite than I remember, but still all right. Five was fun with everyone else doing that job fiesta thing. Seven was a good game, although I think a few aspects of it haven't aged too well. And then there's number six. While it does drag on for a bit, the caster characters are fun to interact with, and the main villain that brings them all together is even more so. And while the Magisite relic systems don't allow for as much customization as, say, materia and accessories, it's certainly less of a hassle to deal with constantly. On a technical and narrative standpoint, Final Fantasy VI stands as the pinnacle of the series for me, and I'm fi- glad I finally got to finish it. Wow, that's a really out-there opinion, y'all. He, he finally finished it, even though he's playing all seven of the, the first play- seven? I find <laughs> Man, well, it's well. Things only went up from those games, so I'm glad yeah. to get those out of the way, so you can get to the really good stuff. Yeah, get all the trash out of here. We only want the good stuff. Uh, are so, you talking about Final Fantasy VIII? Yeah, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. What oh, you, the real good ones. ones. Better oh. only gets better from there. Um, number one, I mean, Demon Souls. Oh, well, go ahead, Reed. What are you gonna yeah. say? 
Well, should I read this one because it gets cut off in the thing? I'll read it up until the point where you rudely cut me off. Okay. (laughs) Yes, I get it. Dark Souls is better. Maybe I'll put it on my 2016 list or something. Sheesh. That was a little... He really typed that, by the way. That was sort of an authorial interjection there. I was sort of (laughs) adapting his original list. But I still think this game's pretty good on its own. I mean, putting aside the online stuff, the game kind of plays out like a Mega Man game. Taking on the five levels the game gives you is daunting at first, but playing around with them, slowly making progress by using stuff gotten in one stage to help in another, it's really satisfying. And it helps that each of the levels have their own interesting aesthetic to them. Boletaria Palace has the same satisfying progression from Gate to Throne as Dracula's Castle in a classic Castlevania game. Stonefang tunnels equal parts cozy and claustrophobic, with giant bugs thrown in for good measure. Tower of Latria is goddamn amazing. Shrine of Storms is pretty bland visually, but has some cool enemies. Shrine of Storms has those weird tent ray fish things in the sky. Oh yeah, there's like manta rays that fly around. Manta rays that fly. Hell yeah, that. And Valley Defilement, while frustrated to get through, makes for a really nice build up to one of the best boss encounters in the game. Was there any more after that? He says, but yeah, it's pretty good, I guess. And that's how he finishes it off? Yeah. Maybe then, just knock it out of the park there. Real authoritative on those, uh, so those picks. There, we have one, not... There's one extra thing, though. What mm-hmm. is it? It says, honorable mention to Contra Hardcore, which I played and beat several times after making this list, and I'm still playing. Cool. Great choice. That's true game of the year right there. Really, yeah. really good games. I'm going to take uh, control of the podcast here and just say that, like, Contra Hardcore is his game of the year. Okay. Yeah. It's at the bottom of the list. Yeah. So, respectively, we've got ma- not my favorite visual novel, pretty good game, I guess, <laughs> pinnacle of the series for me, and pretty good game, I guess, <laughs> and not worth being on the actual list. <laughs> well, because we didn't read it, he edited it to include a Contra Hardcore. It was like, yeah, oh, since yeah. since Rhett was kind of just being an intentional dick. Hey, the kinda, email the we, email bounced yeah, back. Yeah, okay, for sure, Rhett. Yeah. Back or something. So really, though, everyone knows that 4 is the best one, right? The best yeah. One. So, so, Polly, I have a question. What? Who's to your virtual left? Uh, who's to my virtual left? Well, he's available for children's birthday parties. It's John Fires. Hi! It's me, John! Hey, Happy John. birthday! How's it going? Hey, just letting y'all do, you do balloon free tricks. There. You do some got balloon, balloon tricks. tricks. Got the nose. It's just I'm just a blast with kids. His balloon tricks are also okay. His about nose. about one in two kids, I um really like me, and about the other half, I just just cry. Uh, you cry actually. It's not the kids. It's just like you just that's about one suddenly of- start crying. <laughs> but how you doing, John? I'm doing fantastically. 2016 treating you all right so far? Hopefully better than 2015. Absolutely. Sure, nobody has that in their head. Uh, But we're going to start out 2016 with a guest. How about that? How would you like that? That'd that'd be fun. I think it's a good way to start things. Probably better than dealing with y'all every time. That's that's a good point. I can't argue that. Um, We know him on Twitter. I know him through our good friend Sayara. He is a Keone Keone enthusiast, extreme, exgomatic, other words that starts with E. (laughs) It's the radio. Diane, it struck me again earlier this morning. There are two things that continue to trouble me. And I'm speaking now not only as an agent of the Bureau, but also as a human being. 
What really went on between Marilyn Monroe and the Kennedys? And who really pulled the trigger on JFK? What's up, everybody? (laughs) (laughs) How's it going, radio? (laughs) It's going pretty good, actually. We're like a mere 21 hours in. It's 2016 treating you all right so far. Uh, if you told me any different, I would still feel like it's 2015. It's, it's yet to impress me. Come on, 2016, show me what you got. Yeah, I can't say it's doing much different yet. I'm still waiting for the sky to be purple. That'd be pretty rad. Oh, purple's a great color. It's not for you? No, it's not for me. Is it for you? I mean, look out the window here. It looks pretty <laughs> purple to me. Oh, well, I'm, I'm going there. Son of a bitch. I've made all the wrong life decisions. So, radio, as I am uh, always to do anytime we have a new guest on the show, uh, I I think our guests might have heard you on our anniversary cast when we kind of just roped you in at random. Uh, And then you did a stream with me late last year for SWRJSTDX, Selective Memory Erase Effect. That's a mouthful. It is. It really is. It's it's just like you'd swear. It's probably a progressive metal song name somewhere. (laughs) Um, But uh, who the hell are you, and what do you do? Um, Well, I'm the radio. Uh, I'm not a very interesting character. I like to write, uh, which is unfortunate, because the only place that I really post to is Twitter, and posting with a 140-character limit is like the ultimate test of, of just like I, I'm a verbose person so that's very problematic for me but I don't ha- I don't really use anything else like I have a Tumblr but I very rarely use it uh, I don't have like a blog that I post or anything so just like if you follow me on Twitter I apologize you'll probably just see like massive walls of text being posted as, as like a link of tweets but I just I can't help it it's in my nature most of them happening at four in the morning yeah, like before I go to bed, it's just yeah, right, you know, and it's time for just every thought ever to just come pouring right out. It's time to have a nightly existential existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feel. It's, it's the way. It's the road to the sweetest dreams. Let me just panic about everything, and then it'll be all fine. Twitter works out really great if you just realize that 140 characters plus 140 characters plus 140 characters ad nauseum equals as many characters as you want. Right, like that's my secret. I just get away with it because now I can link tweets and I don't have to have my name attached to it anymore. And it's just, it's, it, that it's my was, secret that was is that killer. I'm always tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if I'm up at four in the morning, I can either count on radio or John to be just keeping, tweeting about Pokemon to be amusing me at, at, at that uh, at, at that ungodly hour. If I haven't decided to randomly stream for some reason, <laughs> which has happened a lot. I can stream now, now that I have um, a wired connection. Yeah, you can. I should stream like a good now, How about you like... stop hijacking a radio segment, you little fuck nugget? Mm. Whoa. Whoa. Oh. Yeah, I'm not taking your shit in 2016, I'm just, John. I'm just cut. I'm just got, cut, cut myself on that edge just then. <laughs> just bleeding I, everywhere. I don't think I've ever actually used the term fuck nugget on anybody before, so this is a first <laughs> for me. Cool. So, radio, like, what you been into? What are you doing? Um, well, I haven't been playing a whole lot lately. Uh, though it's really easy to talk about. Like I've, I've been into Rainbow Six Siege a bit, but it's not really something I think would be too interesting for the the general audience of the podcast. You know, tactical shooters and all that fun stuff. But that's I think... not how this podcast works, dog. If you play it, talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I shoot guys in the face. 
Sometimes they shoot me. Damn. They're I awesome. might die. They might die. Very deep storytelling. It's very, it's a very dark, grim experience. It's the dark souls of first-person shooters. <laughs> They're hostages. They're hostages, yes. And uh, sometimes you, sometimes you rescue them. Other times you throw a block of C4 on them and hope that the enemy goes to get them, and then you blow both of them up. You still lose, but you feel good about it. Uh, I don't usually, I don't play by the rules. I'm not a very good team player. But it's okay because I only play with my friends. We, I never, I don't do pubbies. You're a maverick, radio, a maverick. I'm gonna have your badge. <laughs> so wait, me, if you're playing as the terrorist, can you just kill the hostages and nobody wins? No, you. Uh, uh -huh. If you're the terrorist, you have to stop them from getting the hostage. But I, I like as a security measure, if we're losing like really badly on like the last round or the the supposed last round, I'll just throw a C4 block on the hostage and wait for everybody else to die, <laughs> and then I'll just be all the way on the other side of the map. And as soon as my my fourth teammate dies, I just hit the button to blow him up, and then the kill cam <laughs> is just me like camping out in the corner reading a magazine, and then pulling out the cell phone to detonate the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> necessary casualties sometimes you know gotta waste a few lives to save your own i mean last last night i was able to get away with it you know it was, it was my new year's gift to all the people who were just beating us senseless like happy new year's everybody thanks for playing <laughs> <laughs> but um you know the one the one that i've been really getting into this this whole series and i think this is one that, that we'll be talking about quite a little bit more frequently uh, as the year goes on, because more people are catching on to it. Uh, and to preface this, uh, I'm not a huge JRPG fan. Uh, my gaming tastes have changed a lot since Ugh, I was younger. The one thing that I never really like clung on to genre-wise uh, was JRPGs. And I have a few that I really love, like uh, Golden Sun, the original on Game Boy Advance, was like one of the more eye-opening ones. Uh, Skies of Arcadia, it's probably my favorite JRPG ever. Good uh, shit right there. Good choice. And of course... Silent during Golden Sun, but then Skies of Arcade is like, yes! Totally remiss to not mention at least Fantasy Star 2, which is the only one I've played to completion. Mm, mm. Uh, shame on me. Shame on Fantasy me. Star fans here, but uh, it is You haven't the played one. the best one yet. You haven't played three. Hey, the person in charge of Fantasy Star 2 was also in charge of Skies of Arcadia. It's pretty cool. Uh... But I've yeah I've never really gotten into those uh, too much, and I don't really know what it is. Like it's not really necessarily the combat or the characters, like the tropes or anything. It was just like I sit down with one, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do this, and it's just... all the wind out of the sails. Except for in Skies of Arcadia, there's plenty of wind in those sails. Boom. But lately, lately I've gotten into one. I found the JRPG to rekindle my spirit and appreciation for what they can do. Uh, and it's one that I I think got mentioned on the Game of the Year cast. I can't remember exactly, but uh, we'll, we'll be talking about it a bit later, I think, according to the show notes. We're talking about The Legend of Heroes, Trails in the Sky. This is just, you know... I, I, I went into it not actually expecting to really care for it too much. You know, a friend of mine sent it to me. was like, oh man, this is, like, what, this is a really cute, just amazing JRPG. You gotta try it out. And uh, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll give it a shot. Uh... And I booted it up, and the tutorial took a little while to get going, but you know, as as it was going along, I just I started falling in love with the characters, and that when I was like, oh no, I'm in trouble. Uh oh. <laughs> and uh, you know, sixty plus hours later, I finished first chapter, and 
Uh, you know, I don't want to talk about it too, too much because we uh, we have people here who are in the middle of playing it, but just damn. Like, I was I was not expecting to uh, to be so swept by a JRPG, let alone in 2015. Rhett, I, I know that he talked about it on an episode a while yeah. back, and, like, the prologue <laughs> completely burned him out. Like, to the point to where he was like, I'm just going to get Cheat Engine and hack my characters to max level and play it for story. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't blame you. Like, if I, if I were to have a complaint about it, it would be with the combat. Not necessarily that it's bad, but it's it's more busy work than anything else. Like, it, it's when when somebody would ask me, like, what do you like about it? Combat would probably be the last thing I'd mention, with mm-hmm. a couple with a couple mm-hmm. of exceptions for like where they they pull an encounter that is just completely left field and you have no idea what to expect from it and it beats your ass and you're like, oh, I actually have to pay attention to the uh, the game mechanics all of a sudden. But those are so few and far between that most of the time it's just it's really sloggy uh, and it doesn't feel like they really took as much advantage over like positioning and uh, elemental weaknesses as they possibly could have. And it was definitely not the best part of the game, but the story was uh, was what kept me going the story and the characters and just like seeing the world constantly changing and reacting to whatever had happened mm-hmm. like you you would talk to every npc and then you would like buy eggs and, and milk for like some old lady and drop it off this isn't an actual quest don't want to don't want to spoil anything but like you do something mm-hmm. extremely mundane and then it would like change the dialogue like so, like everybody in town would suddenly shift tone to talk about like something else and just like the the sheer amount of text kept me busy. I think Steam has me logged as like a hundred hours or something. I didn't oh really take that God. long, but uh, I did scour like every single conversation I possibly could, and just yeah, it's it's immense and it's really adorable. I love the characters. I love the world. Uh, I love how complex the magic system is, even if it isn't you know as useful as it really should be because mm-hmm. the combat doesn't really take advantage of it. But I just love that the possibilities are there. Like, they did think about it. And according to uh, Chelsea, they really did actually pick up with the combat and make it much more uh, polished in the uh, second chapter, which I haven't started yet. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, it sounds like like, like the, the game's right. actually starting to give her a run for her money now in terms of, like, the combat and it being challenging and being more strategic. I have a Vita now, so I'm really excited to play these games because I can just play them anywhere I want, which just makes all the difference in the world for me when I'm playing a JRPG, you know? Well, yeah, that's like you can't exactly drag a computer to your bed if you don't have a laptop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a bit of a problem. Cool. What else you playing? What else you doing? What else you got your mind into? Um... I haven't really been playing much else. Yeah, you know, ignore the PSO two screenshots I put up on Twitter earlier. I haven't been playing anything else. <laughs> oh, oh, PSO two, huh? What you been doing in PSO two? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Like, what is there to do in fantasy? I don't exactly. like. Uh, like, let's be honest here. If it didn't have Fantasy Star in the name, I, I never would have touched this thing. I don't know why I'm still playing it. It's the question that we all ask ourselves uh, when we're playing it. Like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't, I don't have any interest in the story or the characters. Like, <laughs> well, that's sad because the one thing people like unambiguously seem to like is the story. I, I, I mean, I've given, I gave it a shot. Like, I never actually got past some of the, like, the middle, early oh. mid matter boards. So I just didn't really. Oh yeah. 
for all the new events, I just have no frame of reference. Like, shit's just happening. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to beat it to death. Let's do this. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it picks up, but I, I gave oh, up on it. It definitely does, yeah. I gave up on it long, long, long ago. I took a huge break from it, too. Like, I played during beta three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And that was back when we had, like, maybe three areas. It was, like, yeah. forest yeah, and caves. The forest caves. And then at the very end, we got, like, the city emergency event oh. and that was it like with dark ragney and that was all you had to play <laughs> oh my god and then after that i probably played for like two months and i think we got one extra area out of that and then i just dead stopped and then in may of uh, last year just out of the blue i was like i'm really really bored i don't want to play any of the millions of games i have on steam what you know what's everybody i know playing and uh Sayara was like right in the middle of playing PSO2 with one of the other guys we know from PSO World and I was like all right I'll uh I'll reinstall this and we'll try this again and here I am now months later I don't know why I'm still playing it but <laughs> I feel I feel okay cuz as, as I have maybe 400 hours in a character and I, then I saw Sayara's character list and the amount of hours that he's put into the game and I felt immediately better about myself like okay I'm not that bad <laughs> I don't even want to know what his is like because I have a thousand hours on one character. Oh, you're you're actually not too far off from his uh, his main character, which I think was like eighteen hundred. That's that's a pretty yeah, that's a that's a pretty long difference. Actually, it's, it's it's closer than me, so I feel better about. But it. he has alternate characters, and oh, don't yes, worry, y'all both seem like weirdos <laughs> to me. Man, like the Matterboard makes things so tedious. Oh, it's though. so. It's I the love worst story. It's it is the so worst. Bad. It is the worst gating mechanism ever. Like I tried to get into that game's story, and it was like, "Fuck this matterboard tedious bullshit." It's just tedious bullshit. It's like, so much better now, and it's still awful. Like Sayara always tells me, like, you really need to do the matterboard stuff. Like, you can get guaranteed units, and there's like a guaranteed like twelve star weapon, and there's this guaranteed. Like, I'm just like. But I have to do the Matterboard. That's the problem. <laughs> like, I don't want to do the Matterboard. It's, it's like, here, me. I'll give you my account. You do the bullshit for me. How's that? <laughs> I think somebody did actually offer to do that for me. And I was like, nah, I'm all right. Like, I just, oh, God, I don't want anybody to go through that. Don't, don't, kids, if you're listening, don't play PSO2. Don't. <laughs> it's, it's garbage. I said the other day, like, what if we could just get everybody to quit this game and play Final Fantasy XIV instead? And I could try check out that game. Because that go. actually seems decent. Like I, I bought that in a bundle, actually. Uh, so that bundle's got... still going? Did I miss that? I think it's still going. You still got until oh. the 4th. So I went ahead and grabbed the, the bundle that had Final Fantasy fourteen in it. Well, yeah. you know what? People should maybe... Maybe we should play that game instead of... Instead of... But maybe... Fuck monthly fees. For nah. if, the game, uh, if, the game, if the game's you, good enough, I'll pay a monthly fee. You get three free 30 days, which yeah. is the only reason I played... Who got... the hell? Uh, I I just can't imagine playing a game for more than thirty days anyway. <laughs> I mean, okay, they actually have a, a kind of a boosted thing going on where since the expansion came out, anybody who plays vanilla, well, I guess anybody period who plays, so if you have it, it doesn't matter. But uh, they like tripled the experience that you get for all the story quests. So Holy you just go hell. from like. You go from like level one to thirty in the first day. Like that I seems I, like, like a really good time. Not going to lie. I rocked that. Uh, I did my free month 
in uh, in August while I was waiting for uh, the Phantom Pain to come out because I just had nothing else to do. I was I was burned out enough on PSO2 that I just needed something else to do. And I remember like, oh, I have I have a copy of Final Fantasy fourteen. I just never booted it up. I never used my codes. Let me use my thirty days, and I uh, I managed to get almost to the vanilla level cap in like fifteen days. Oh wow! Did you have a nice was it Did you have a nice time? Was it a fun game? I, I'm also not a big MMO player, and uh, you know, again, kind of like it, it. Last year was the year of I'm not a big fan of this genre, but somehow this game hooked me. You know, for JRPGs, mm-hmm. it was Trails in the Sky. Never saw that one coming. For Final Fantasy fourteen, it was the same thing. Like it, it, it is very mmo like i can tell it is but mm-hmm. in 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 certain ways it's fresher than just like the the wow experience like i've tried a bunch of them i tried guild wars 2 for a while couldn't stick with it uh i did wow for about a month couldn't stick with it uh terra before it flopped terribly uh, yeah, i tried yeah. that one i played yeah. fantasy star online one for about three weeks i had a good time it's good there stuff. you go good stuff, good stuff. that's so the, the, the and runescape when that. i was a kid that's when I thought <laughs> I played RuneScape as a kid, and that's when I thought of the username Chronomaniac. <laughs> cool. Um, but yeah, definitely looking to get on board the Final Fantasy XIV train uh, at some point. I've seen too many cool. people play it and be like, you know what? Like, this looks really good. And even though it's got a lot of MMO kind of cliche going on, it still looks like it's doing enough of its own thing to be interesting for a while. Mm-hmm. Because that's all I really want is for it to be interesting for a while. <laughs> yeah, I don't really need a new. You don't need it. You don't need a new drug. I, I don't really know. I don't have much of a frame of reference for the storyline in like every single Final Fantasy, so I'm not a hundred percent sure how the writing compares. But there are a couple of moments where the game just like it pulls some meta shit on you, and it's mm-hmm. it's enough to like really just get under your skin. Like, I can't believe they just made a joke about forcing me to do this shit for like 14 hours straight. Like, oh, that's why would they mean. do that? It's It gets so mean. It's a very love-hate relationship with that game. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed my time. If there was one major complaint I have, it's that it's a single-player game, and then it's multiplayer maybe once every 10 or 15 hours. Oh, wow. Like you get, um, you know, you get quests and you can go around like you, they have they have some systems in place to try and skirt around this. So when you're in an area and you want to fight these creatures uh, with like your friends, if your friends happen to be like 10, 15 or 40 levels above where you are, especially if you're starting out and everybody's been playing since like the game first came out, uh, they have a button that that pops up that lets them sync their levels and equipment to. Yeah whatever is currently going on in the field. So like when I was level 14 and dicking around and I have a friend who's level 60 comes in and she's like, Hey, let me help you out with that. She hits the button. And then for a period of time, she's my level and she gets to fight everything. And we both get like even rewards out of it, which was kind of nice. It's really smart. It's really smart. It was, I've never, I've never seen a game like do that before where it just like, you know, give, lets you automatically adjust so that you're not just like one hitting everything and be like, oh, well, there you go. Uh, I guess it's an interesting way to get around power leveling as a concept. Like, well, instead of power leveling and, and just escalating things that way, why don't you just play the game normally? I, that, I thought that was kind of cool. But it's not substantial content, and a lot of the missions seemed like they really wanted, and I think quite a few of them even forced you to just do it alone. Like, you had to go into, like, 
an instance that only you could go into. And mm. it happens so frequently. Like out of the 140 hours I spent in those 15 days, I think, I think maybe 15 or 20 of those were multiplayer. Wow. Cause you get like dungeons that you can do. Yeah. At certain points in the story and that, and it, it forces you like you cannot solo those. You have to. So you either have friends that you do it with, or you have to wait in the daily queue and just yeah. hope that you get a party before you have to like go actually do real world things, which is kind of a pain in the ass. Mm. Luckily, I had people to, to roll with, so I didn't have to worry about that. Uh, then you also have the like daily queue that you get to like actively volunteer yourself for, which gets you nice EXP rewards as well. Uh, so you know you can do that. You can do the story stuff with your friends, but it's really very few and far between. And there's only so much of it until you hit the original level cap of 50, and then it goes from being a game where you're by yourself pretty much all the time to, bam, all these new dungeons, all the shit you can do with your friends. There's like a coliseum, and there's this, and there's that. And I'm like, what? where was that in the first 140 hours? Of my... And then my oh. time ran out because Phantom Pain happened, and by the time I was done with that, my sub was up. So I was like, oh, well, I'm not going back. But I I enjoyed it. I think it's it's it has good potential for you know a good to be a good game. It's just for me personally, I wanted more people time and instead i was just talking to npcs who were kind of goofily written and i just was like gotcha. right, I'm, I'm here and i'm doing this thing i'm saving the world but uh, i don't know i would i would say give it a shot get on board with that train speaking of someone that really likes single player rpgs <laughs> <laughs> that could be a good time yeah yeah that might be something john could enjoy mm-hmm. cool cool you been into anything else uh, the cookie jar. The cookie jar. I mean, What's the holidays? What's in the cookie jar? Uh, chocolate chip, freshly baked, and Rhett's penis. So that's what that was. That's in the cookie jar. Oh no! I was kind of wondering why I felt a little doughy at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't even <laughs> be erect for him, Rhett. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Learn to get it up. Come on, this is protect <laughs> your penis, 2016. I think it's softer. I mean, it's safer when soft. Whoa! <laughs> like, um, cool. So that's all you've been into, then? All you want to talk about? Uh, is there something you want me to talk about? I don't know. I I don't know. I haven't been I've been playing a whole lot of games lately. It's been it's been so busy with the holidays and family yeah, stuff. Yeah. And... Did you get anything fun for Christmas? Uh, no. I got a I got a new phone with the family, and that was about it. Well, there you go, there you go. I told you it's not it's not a very exciting. Christmas. Not exciting. And not I got exciting. everything I wanted except a new phone. Oh, I got I got yours here actually. Sorry. Oh damn. It. Uh, yeah, like there was a new phone quota that the world reaches, and he got the last one. So you can't get one until next year. Oh. Strictly Santa's orders. I got it right here in this letter. Yep. Cool. Uh, well, I will piggyback off of you bringing up the uh, Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky because I've been playing that as of recent. Ah, good. And good. man, Rhett was not wrong. Like, <laughs> the first the first 15 hours of that game oh. are character and world building 101. Um, and it's the kind of game where it knows it's a trilogy, so it can take that time 
to sort of establish itself, its world, its characters. Um, and the feeling that I get from it, and I don't know, maybe radio can tell me if I'm right or wrong about this, is that I get the feeling that they're taking their time and building things up the way they're doing it so that they can um, raise the stakes um, in a manner later on in the story so that it actually feels feasible, that it's, you know, it's not totally unbelievable. Because most RPGs kind of, they they run in Top Gear all the time. You're thrown from one conflict into the next at, at a pretty uh, breakneck pace uh, in a lot of uh, this is, JRPGs. This is an and, interesting follow-up for um, Grandia 2, for example. Um, yeah, and, and, and this game, like, it is very slice-of-life-y. Um, you're doing a lot of very what most people would consider boring, odd jobs. They're just like, oh, hey, go exterminate a monster somewhere. Oh, hey, this milk needs to go somewhere or something. Go go fix the light bulb. Go fix the light bulbs (laughs) on the highway. (laughs) I Uh, remember that one. (laughs) But I get the feeling, like I said, that um, they're treating the game the way they are because, one, they know it's a trilogy and they can – and two, so that when they raise the stakes later, it's much more believable and it actually feels more urgent. I would, uh, you know, I would, I would definitely agree. Like with, without saying anything spoilery, it's just they take their time, and I, th- I thought it was, you know, very well spent. I, initially, like with the prologue just going on for so long, oh, I wasn't God. sure if I was going to last. Uh-huh. Like, oh my God, there's what, a. You know, there's a pre-prologue, <laughs> and then there's a prologue, and that's like seven hours. I think you said eight and a half. Yeah, I did. I, I did it in eight and a half. It, it's it's a mountain to climb over to start with, and that's that's just the prologue. Like, wait until you get to some of the later chapters. I think chapter two is the longest, and I just I thought it was never going to end. I was like, oh my god! Like, I, but I was enjoying myself. At the back of my head, I like. The, the, the part of my head that's keeping tally of how long I had been playing was like, Jesus Christ, like this is, I've played RPGs, like I've played full JRPGs in this period of time that this one chapter took me to get through. Like, oh, this is, it's, I mean, it's, it's time well spent though, because like you said, it's building towards like the escalation of conflict, which is the one thing that I really liked about the story, or not the one thing, but one of the things that I liked about the story was that it is very slice of lifey, but they're slowly introducing new concepts about how the world works. It's teaching you the history of the place. And obviously they're throwing uh, callbacks to the older games in the series that we uh, we don't actually have yeah, here in yeah. the States. So it's completely falling on deaf ears, but it's there just in case we do get them. It's there because that's how the story is. you know. So there's, there's an abundant amount of information that we're taking in and it all does eventually build up to the fact that when the cliffhanger ending of first chapter happens and fucking christ that is a cliffhanger of all cliffhangers <laughs> i am so sorry to all of my you know the psp players out there who had to suffer for uh, what was it three five years for this for second chapter to get fully localized it's yeah, been it's... a long time yeah it's been a while See, I'm to the point like I got to chapter two uh, last night and I just got into Ruan today and I'm starting to see like the story is definitely starting to like sow some seeds of things that I can see 
you know, of like a bigger story happening. Like there's something definitely much bigger going on now, but we're still not going to shift the focus to that right away. We're still kind of mess, you know, middling it in with all of these little, here's some more bracer jobs to do. Uh, and maybe the story will keep happening or, or here's a new character we're going to introduce for about 20 seconds and then they're going to go off and do their own thing. So I'm, I'm definitely starting to see, um, how, you know, you can get connected to that world now. Uh, it's just getting through that first 8, 10, 12 hours is really rough uh, because it is a game that knows it's a trilogy and it's going to take its time to set up what it needs to set up in order for everything to be able to pay off later. Is it a trilogy? Mm. I thought the second chapter was it. I think I've the heard, third I've one heard, is like... I've heard the third game is more of an epilogue than anything. Yeah, yeah, I heard it's not essential. Like, it's heard, not like second chapter was essential. Cold Steel is the third one? No, that that's, that's a new... Uh, uh, I don't know if that's a series or not. It goes okay. uh, chap- first chapter for uh, Trails in the Sky, then second chapter. Third chapter, I, I'm not sure about this, but I've heard that it, it either introduces a new character as the protagonist or it simply focuses on another person as, like, the fixation rather than talking about Cassius all the time. And then that leads into uh, two games that squeeze in the middle, uh, which are known as Al and Azure, mm-hmm. I think. And then from those two, you move on to Cold Steel, which is the one that Falcom is uh, recently wrapping up. They have... Uh, Cold Steel 1 and 2. So second chapter is like the end for the the story for Josh and Estelle. And then the third chapter, it's it's not as long as first chapter, but it's just long enough so that they could make a game out of it to bridge the gap between what would happen at the end of those games and the beginning of the next set focusing on new characters and, and everything that they have rolling there. It's a really long-going series. Like, I I forget how many games there are, but it's been going on since, like, the late 80s. Yeah, this is, like, like Trails in the Sky is, like, what, the sixth series? Yeah, it's oh, ridiculous. Oh, it's it huge. It's like, you know, we, we're never going to see anything that far back, obviously. I don't. I wouldn't think. I mean, unless Falcom remakes them at some point, like they did some mm-hmm. of the earlier East games. East games. Um but uh, this is all, like uh, going back to what we were talking about in the combat earlier and how inessential it feels. It's just like basically every chapter, like it always kind of puts you at the level you need to be at because once you reach a certain level, like experience starts getting scaled way the fuck down. Like I remember going like for like like uh, from one level, I was getting like thirty and sixty experience per fight, and then all of a sudden, I'm getting four and two a fight. So it, like, puts a real fucking hard cap on what level you can be at anyway. So, you know, to kind of further push the point of how, you know, like, combat doesn't really feel super essential. Uh, it's just the way that they kind of hard ca- hard cap you like that, it seems, uh, per area or per chapter. Kind of just, like, really does lend more credence to the fact that this game is definitely mm-hmm. more focused on story and less on uh, the combat. Yeah, that kind of frustrated me when doing the prologue because I had done all the bracer jobs yeah, and I'm like, geez, I'm just not leveling what's going on. And then I reached a new area and I went from like 10 experience an enemy to 90 and just start leveling immediately. It's like, Oh, okay. Like you were just fucking with me. And, and, and I think that that kind of works against it a little bit because when you play mm-hmm. an RPG, 
you want that sense of moving forward and progression, and it's you, you're not going to get that. Yeah, out of the combat in it's uh, just Tales like in the sky. It felt like, and obviously I haven't played very much further than that, but like if you do all the bracer jobs, like it seems like you're going to hit that cap real easily instead of being over leveled. It's just going to stop you. Yeah, uh, the the East games employ a very similar. Oh, that's uh, true. It is cap, <laughs> capping system. So. Since this game was, like, built on that engine, I have no doubt that a lot of their number stuff going on in the background is probably lifted directly from those games in some way or other. Yeah. The it's East really... games are different, though, where it's, where it's like, if you're too low level, you'll do zero damage, and if you're proper level, you'll do damage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I uh, I went into a uh one of the, the optional caves well, i guess it wasn't optional but they like throw it in front of you as kind of like a taunt almost at one point and it's like you can go here if you want to but see all these warning signs that tell you that you're gonna die you're gonna die <laughs> and i said fuck that i'm going in that cave because i i got this this combat shit on lockdown i'm going up there we're gonna beat this cave's ass and uh i was like at least five levels under what i was supposed to and i was amazed that i was able to actually push through and clear the whole place out but since it was actually a plot cave later on i got to the end expecting something to happen and it was just nothing happened so i i had kind of like a weird like i was i was, I was a little let down in that moment like you couldn't even give me a gold star or something for clearing yeah. this out way <laughs> under leveled yeah yeah. And I managed to get, like, two levels or something by the time I finished that because I was just so underleveled. The experience was just ridiculous. And then, of course, I hit, like, the halfway point of that chapter, and I stopped gaining experience yeah. because I had already uh. lasted. I'd already gone through that cave once, and then I had to do it again and got even more experience. Then eventually the game was just like, all right, here you go, kid. Like, here, here's, a, here's a couple of pennies for your trouble <laughs> after every battle. So for, like, the last uh, the last chunk of the third act, I, or I think the second act, actually, I can't remember where it was in the timeline it might have been the start of the third but by the time i finished the third act i just it, it was not giving me anything so i just skipped every single optional encounter i was like I, I, palms i don't give a fuck about palms like I, and anything in my way i'm just gonna run which is I, I, I appreciated was that there is no failure rate yeah you can run at any yeah you you're always allowed to run even if like you can't maneuver around the enemy just get in a fight with them and then uh check the run option and you'll always flee the fight so again, proving that you know combat probably not what they were thinking about most with this game. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it, it's good to hear that they maybe um touched up on that with the second game. It it escalates so weirdly too in in the final chapter because I started off and when I when somebody had uh, was like, oh yeah, you, you're in the final area. Hopefully, finish it really soon. <laughs> this is a long, long soon. <laughs> And the it's it's annoying how you can't really tell when you're gonna start getting gated for experience because I assumed that I was at pretty much end game levels uh, when I hit the final chapter and then I ended up going from like level twenty six to like thirty eight by the time I finished it because there's just so much combat and they throw so much stuff at you and it ke- it comes at the pace like you would expect from regular RPG where it's just, you know, as you progress further, you keep getting things that are more challenging rather than hitting a wall where, okay, everything here kind of sucks and I still have to be here for plot reasons. Yeah. But you know, like it, it just, it was, it was just a, a giant cannonball. Like I was just wrecking through everything and rolling through everything. And then finally they hit that steady stream in the last act of the game where it felt like, okay, this is kind of what I was more expecting from the, from the leveling system and even from the combat where it started making you like pay attention to 
Like, what, what is this creature going to do when I see it on the field? Like, it, it actually, they, they really pulled it together. So who knows? I'll see how they, they fare in second chapter. But it definitely seems like they, I don't know. What, I don't want to say, like, they just didn't know what to do. And then suddenly they figured it out. Or if they just really, really wanted to ease people in like they did with the story. And just say, okay, for the first 70 hours of this RPG, we're going to treat it like baby mode. And then all of a sudden, you got to really pay attention to everything that we've kind of taught you. Yeah, the way the way Chelsea talks, like I know that like in that game they start you at level thirty five in the second game, so like you basically pick up where you left off. That's so uh, cool, kind of. Uh, and she says that like everything's definitely a lot more challenging, and that she's using the magic system a lot more than she had uh, in the first game. So it's you know like either they didn't quite know what to do, or it's like you said they were kind of just easing people into it and making sure that they paid attention. <clears throat> But yeah, that's that's an alright game. Like, like uh, I said, it takes a while to get going, but um, yeah, I, I, helps I, that I, there are not very many chapters, which is I just looked that up. Uh, but uh, yeah, what was I even saying? Thanks. This for, is thanks, actually part. Of, this is actually part of the Dragon Slayer series, yeah. which goes back Wait, to like four E's, E's, and um, Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. What read? Yeah, I didn't know these games were connected. Like I thought, Trails of Cold Steel was just a totally separate thing. Nope. And apparently it's like four games later, but they're all connected. But it's part of the Legend of Heroes series, which is a sub-series of the Dragon Slayer series. So this is related to Legacy of the Wizard for yep. the NES. That's another game I gave up on. <laughs> <laughs> that game. That game. A pattern here. That game's a fucking nightmare. That, I generally think, like, if you're not using a guide, that's one of the hardest games of yeah. all time. You, it is just insane. There are just like, so many screens. There is no semblance of a map. There's no... There's no semblance of cohesion in what they want you to do. There's no comprehension. It's just, what the fuck? And you've got to do it with all the characters. But you have to go to different places with different characters and with specific items. It's just like no way to intuit that this, stuff. This sounds like a Famicom nightmare. It, it, it is the very definition of Famicom nightmare. I have to play this game. And your resources are extremely limited. Oh my god, this sounds I'm... just sexually pleasurable. I want a chiptune band called Famicom Nightmare. <laughs> oh my god. So, John, um, John should play that game with a guide. Yeah, I'm going to play it with a guide, obviously. Yeah, you're, you'd okay. have to. There are just some things there's no way you could intuit at all. Yeah. yeah. Those are the kind of games that were made just for people to fuck around in and enjoy the ambiance as opposed to, like, really finish them. Probably, yeah. like, um... There is a character in that game who, like, doesn't take damage, so that's all I ever used as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> it's the dog, isn't it? Well, the dog is actually a monster, so he just gets to run around. Yeah. He's like a little pink blob or something. Yeah. It's... That's a weird fucking game. It looks I, really... It also looks gorgeous. Not that I'm reading about Legacy of the Wizard while we're talking about Trails in the Sky. <laughs> <laughs> Yuzo Kashiro did the soundtrack, by the way. No wonder. That's what, I think I heard about it because of the music. Yeah. I did a cover of uh, one of the themes in the game once. Um, so um, on top of that, uh, me and Boner, we finished our Fantasy Star 4 Let's Play. Woo! That was a good time. I want to play that game so I can watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll hear all the shit we talked about you during it. <laughs> we didn't really. Or did we? You'll find out someday. I will. Uh, my butt hurts. My butt. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd watched it, I don't you'd understand. Yeah, if you watched it, 
You'd know what that meant. I feel like I can guess at some of the context. Um, but yeah, that game still just as awesome. It took us about 15 and a half hours, which is about the amount of time it took me to finish the prologue and chapter one of Trails in the Sky. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> I did not realize how short it was in contrast to Trails in the Sky until we started talking about how long it took to finish chapters in Trails in the Sky. I was like, wait a minute. Like, the, my video is only total 15 and a half hours for Fantasy Jeez. Star 4. Oh, you did you did cut out grinding, though. There was, like, months, didn't you? there was one part where we grinded for five minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, there, like, it was uh, when you first get Rune, we grinded, uh, uh, we, we grinded with him in that uh, cave uh, to get some extra money before we went into the basement. A lot of fat good, that helped. <laughs> How long is Chrono Trigger? Uh, I think that one took 22, 25 hours, somewhere around there. So this is definitely shorter than Chrono Trigger. Yeah, definitely. That's surprising, because I always thought that was kind of like the perfect short length for a JRPG. Mm. That's That makes it sound that much more exciting to me, because I, you know, short, cool RPGs are just pretty in short supply. Yeah, yeah. It's, Basically it's... all of them are too long. It's a damn good game. I think I, you know, I like. I think I definitely prefer Fantasy Star Four to Final Fantasy VI. Like, probably, cool. probably head and shoulders above that Badass. game. Oh, oh no, you're just talking crazy here. No, no, I'm that not. doesn't sound crazy to me. <laughs> no, so I like. I think back at the time I've spent with Final Fantasy VI, and I like that game a shit ton. Believe me, but it has an opera house. There's just something about so Fantasy Star. There's just something about Fantasy Star 4 that I like way more for some reason. Like, mm-hmm. just just having replayed it again here, it was just like, you know, like, I, I would play this again way before I would play Final Fantasy 6 again. Cool. Yeah, so that was a good time. You can watch that on my YouTube channel. It's, I think... I've had to, like, jump to Final Fantasy 6's defense so many times lately just because of who I follow on Twitter. <laughs> you follow the wrong <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, you follow the it's wrong like... goddamn people. Oh my god. You follow somebody that thinks Final Fantasy VIII is the greatest damn thing ever made. <laughs> we can talk about that. We we will, I'm sure, uh, in moments. Um, and the last thing I got into was my new obsession. Oh boy. Nuclear Throne. That game's finally out of uh, early access, and I ended up picking that up. Uh, hey, Polly, how's early access doing? <laughs> how's early access doing? It did this game a hell of a lot of good, I think. Um, like, I was going to buy this game in early access, but I was afraid that by the time it was actually content complete and all of that and finished, like, I would burn myself out on it because this mm-hmm. game does not have the staying power um, of a Binding of Isaac. Like, I don't think I'm going to be playing this game for 300-plus hours. Um because uh, what, it doesn't it doesn't have like this like you know wow so it's just shit huh it it doesn't have this drip feed of unlocks uh in the way that the binding of isaac does that that's what keeps me coming back to that game on top of its stellar gameplay mm-hmm. but nuclear throne delivers on that stellar gameplay part you know like uh we talked a lot uh, during our Game of the Year cast, and I think the episode before, about Downwell and how that game has this really... I was really, just about to bring that up, yeah. And how that game has this really visceral, satisfying crunch to everything you do. Mm-hmm. And Nuclear Throne has that in goddamn spades. Um, it's just everything feels and sounds 
perfect and it's just got this bite to it and everything's got this crazy amount of screen shake that yeah. you come to expect <laughs> from Blambeer. That's like and there's even an option there's there there's a, a there's an intensity slider in the options menu for screen shake. <laughs> When so, I play that game, I just want to set it to max just I for the first time. Max. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I have it at max. It's not that bad. Like, I think people exaggerate it a bit. Uh, but there, you, but there's definitely, like, one boss fight uh, of the third area where, like, when he explodes, good lord, where did the screen go? Okay, but consider this. Mm-hmm. Binding of Isaac with screen shake. Oh, my god. With, versus, like, the hush or something. Oh my god. And that's the thing about Nuclear Thrones Thrones Screen Shake is that it doesn't impede the gameplay at all. Like, it still feels... Like, it's just something that works really well with the game feel. Like, it's subtle enough, but noticeable enough. So that, like, even when it's shaking the screen around and you're just blowing the fucking hell out of everything... Uh, it's it's still very easy to keep your eyes on the action, and that's super important in that game because unlike The Binding of Isaac, which can be played very slowly and methodically, like every second to second to second moment in Nuclear Throne, it's just like there's something that's going to kill you. There's something that's going to kill you. There's a, keep fucking moving. There's something going to kill you. It'll be the car. You'll you'll hit the car <laughs> like I did. Did it honk? It no, it it blew up and it said you did not reach the nuclear throne. You were killed by a car, a car that blew up. Oh, is it just like an environmental thing, like an accident? Yeah, it's just an environmental thing that like oh. I was standing beside and I blew it up and like, whoops. Oh, I thought you got hit by a car. No, <laughs> like no. it drove onto the screen and just ran you over. I think there are enemies that can like knock cars into you and you can die that way too. Kind of like tanks and Left for Dead. Where yeah. they can like knock the geometry around and shit. Yeah. Um, but Nuclear Throne's great. It's got like a really diverse cast of characters that all have like cute little quirks of their own that um, contribute to their varying play styles. Uh, whereas The Binding of Isaac, everybody's kind of got a similar feel. Um, everybody in Nuclear Throne have uh, unique secondary abilities and stuff. Like uh, I think my favorite. Uh, is melting. Uh, who like his 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 uh, his secondary ability is he can make the corpses blow up. So that like you know obviously leads to a lot of grand screen shaking. Um, but it's super helpful because well like it, you can use that as a weapon to blow everything up. So like if you could just like bl- like say a boss you know hasn't spawned yet, you could like start clearing out a- enemies in an area. And just kind of like leave the bodies laying around, lure that boss into the area, ignite all the bodies, and you could feasibly take that boss out in one hit if you're playing your cards right. Um, and that, that's like probably like the craziest ability. That character also only starts with two hit points as well. So oh, play, so so he's got an insanely overpowered uh, secondary ability, but he's also like not going to be easy to play unless you can get. Um, uh, an HP up behind you, and like there are only I think one or two perks that offer uh, an upgrade to your health, like at all. Um, but yeah, Nuclear Throne. Uh, I, I I will probably be talking a lot more about that game over uh, the course of the year. I'd imagine. Like I I think I'm just Rad. I'm still scratching the surface of it. Um, you know, I think I've only got like three or four hours in, I've not come anywhere close to reaching the nuclear throne. Uh, I think like the farthest I've gotten is like the fifth world. And I know that after that, the game can loop 
and then there's hard mode. So um, even though there's not a lot of cool gadgets and weapons and stuff to unlock, there is at least a lot of game there to test your skills with um, and, and like fun little ways to do it with every character, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, that's Nuclear Throne. Uh, everybody should probably play it because I'll probably be talking about it uh, a lot. And uh, and anyway, you shouldn't play uh, you shouldn't play Nuclear Throne anyway because it's only thirty frames a second. I'm total oh. buck. Yay! <laughs> oh, <geez>. bleep! <laughs> I, I do wish it was sixty. That would it be. would it would be nice. If it was 60 frames a second, but uh, I, it plays totally and utterly fine at 30 w- w- without a hitch, so. Yeah, and I think that's pretty fine. Pretty okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, and like most of Lambeer's stuff has been at 30 frames a second anyway. Uh, uh-huh. the, only, the only game that I can think of that hasn't is Gun Gods, and I think that was 60. And I don't know if that was made in Game Maker or not. I don't know. It's just, I know it's like a a doom like so uh but anyway that's that's all i've been up to good old nuclear thrones that's gonna keep me busy for a while Rat. Uh, yes before i throw it over to you <laughs> i'm gonna tell you what i got for christmas okay <gasps> i got all of 2016's game of the year list basically is what mine's gonna be is because oh. i got i got I got this entire cave of games sitting behind me now that I have to play through thanks to the generosity of a lot of people in our community who, you know, you will all be, you will all be getting something in return uh, once, once uh, bank stuff gets settled down. But um, yeah, uh, all the games in the world, I got them and that, and I've, on top of like the, 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 the ludicrous amount of steam love that I got, I also got like, Two new eighty-hour RPGs for the PS3 that I need to like dig into at some point. So, <laughs> what are those? Uh, Tales of Zillia one and uh, Star Ocean: The Last Hope. Nice. The, the main cool. character's name in Star Ocean: The Last oh. Hope. He's named <laughs> Edge Maverick. His name <laughs> is Edge Maverick. Okay, but that's not till the end of time. Was I was familiar with. No, till the end of time is it's the game where you get sidekick and you only use that for the rest of the game and you don't ever gotcha. use anything else. Which which one is nappy time? Nappy time? Maybe I'm thinking of something else. I don't maybe, Is that 4? I don't know. There's what, one of those games gets I mean, really Star Ocean really bad. Right? I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh. I thought till the end of time was a really famously bad one. But. Uh, no, Till the End of Time has got a famously bad uh, plot twist in the middle that just ruins yeah, the entire that's, story. That's kind of what I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. real fucking bad. Okay, so Last Hope isn't that. No. That's good I, I, I've heard good things about Last Hope, and I've seen, uh, I've been watching somebody else play it um, on and off, and it looks pretty alright. At least from, fancy. yeah, at least the combat looks alright. I can't say much for the story yet. I've just seen bits and pieces of that, but uh, I had a friend who was playing that, and I'd been over to their place for a bit, and all that fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, and I also got, like, I can also be a true music snob now. Oh. Because I got a turntable. Ooh. Yeah. So, that's good. That's good. Um, but that's 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 it. So, Rhett, now we can go to you. Yeah. What are you but, doing? like, I was uh, looking at Steam. Mm-hmm. Like, 
because it was Christmas Day, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should think about getting Polly something. So I like figure out how to actually see your wish list, and then the Steam hack happened. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna sign out for a few hours because fuck that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when I came back, you didn't have a wish list anymore because people had gotten you literally yeah, everything from I it. Yeah, I forgot to dump my fucking <laughs> wish list. Like usually before my birthday or Christmas, I dump yeah. my wish list entirely. But I went to bed Christmas Eve forgetting to do so. And yeah, people were very, very overly generous. But during that whole Steam problem, like I canceled my card that I used for Steam to buy things. So that's why I haven't been able to, you know, repay the favors yet is because I'm waiting on a new card. (laughs) That sucks. So that's, that's, yeah, like they cleaned out my wish list, even though like (laughs) I... (laughs) I only keep that thing, like, seriously, I only keep that thing so that Steam notifies me when something goes on sale. Like, I don't keep that as a please mm-hmm. buy things for me list. And that's what it got used as. And I feel real shit about it. At the same time, it's like... Well, you know what? You'll be you'll be really proud of me, Polly, because I didn't buy Steam games for anybody or send out any of the Christmas cards I meant, meant to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just... you... you... I remember you making Sorry a big, about that. I remember you making a big deal about these Christmas cards. Like, Rhett, give me your address. I'm gonna send you he, a Christmas card. He did eventually ask me for it like on December like twenty third. <laughs> and we're and like, you like... said no, and then I was like, you know what? Uh, <laughs> gonna go through all this trouble for two people? Eh. Uh, They're really nice Christmas cards. Maybe we'll scan them and send them to you. There you go. Scan them. JPEG. No, then I actually have to write the heartfelt message. And, oh, Christmas in JPEG form. E-cards. Yeah. Ping. There you go. <laughs> Rhett. Sorry about that. Rhett, how was Christmas? I, cool. uh, I got a new TV. Fantastic. That's, that's all I needed. That's great. And so I did the inaugural uh, playing Sonic Generations on it. <laughs> How'd that that's, go? What I do with every new do? monitor, I, I play Sonic Generations. Holy shit, that game looks good. Yeah, it does. I, like, unironically think that's, like, one of the best-looking games ever still. It's but goddamn pretty. It's just so fast. He goes so fast. It's fast and pretty. And, or... and 60 frames a second. <laughs> 60 frames a second. Not, like, a shitty Vlambeer game. Yeah. But, yeah, that it's a game that really, like, tests kind of your monitor like being because it's it's all moving at once yeah you're, you're definitely going to get a good idea of like how your refresh rate versus your input is oh that too yeah that kind of thing but it's also going to look real pretty it, that's what i'm more focused on is just like kind of test because it's also very colorful like it's yes kind of, yes how good is this looking it passed with flying colors yeah uh <laughs> i also <laughs> Should have played Sonic Colors then. Uh, that uh. one's only 30 frames a second. Uh, uh, <laughs> flying Colors. Uh. 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 Okay. Uh. I, so, uh. I also have an email here. Oh, you do? It's from, uh, you may have heard of him, Zalaz, a.k.a. Bill. <laughs> hey, I know that guy. He sent this one right after we did the Game of the Year podcasts. Uh, this is his wife who's of the year. Oh, oh. Oh, the most important list. Okay. Yeah. I actually forgot that he had sent this until he was. we were talking about the new one he sent that oh. I didn't get. And I'm like, well, I do have one email from him here. Shit, I forgot to read this. 
Well, I didn't forget because it was sent after. But anyways. And, and you didn't forget because it was on purpose. Right. Number five. Venus from We Know the Devil. <laughs> yes. Number four. Yes. Man, this is a choice. Number four. Cheer readers from R- Rhythm Heaven Fever. Oh, God. <laughs> That's sure how I feel about that one. <laughs> I like this one. Number three. The Maiden in Black from Demon Souls. I can deal with that, yeah. Number two, Sheena from Hardcore. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> and wow, this number one, Umihara Kawase uh, from, from Umihara Kawase. Uh, hey, she's much older in the newer games. Okay, <laughs> okay, because the last time I saw Umihara Kawase, she yeah, was d- like eight years old. With I watched backpack. the CX episode of that where he was playing the original and then the <laughs> creator of the game made him a signed drawing of the character and she was like aged way up and he was like, this looks different. <laughs> she doesn't have those in, in this. <laughs> yeah, so in, in like the PlayStation and the new game, she's got huge boobs now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jupiter in We Know the Devil has a hand for every kind of touch. What? She does. What? <laughs> anyway. And um, also regarding the waifu of the year category that we did on Game of the Year. Mm-hmm. I need to apologize. Uh-oh. A- after mm-hmm. reviewing the votes, the first runner-up was Quenna from PSO2. Uh-huh. Which means the waifu <laughs> of the year is Red from Neptunia. Hey, there you go. True winner. <laughs> Where did um, that's a timely reference there, Rhett? Yeah. Well, <laughs> where did Leona come in? What was that, John? Where did Leona come in? I didn't. Leona from King of Fighters. I didn't actually count these votes, oh, dude. I'm just making a joke. <laughs> I, I was. I was too. But John is not on his podcast mojo tonight. No. I yes, I am. I'm on top of everything. He's on. He's on some sort of mojo. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> the video games? I heard those exist. Yeah, fuck video games. I watched the Star Wars trilogy. The originals. Mm-hmm. Woo! And <laughs> I watched time. these, like... I'll, just, I'll let you guys nerd out here. I'm just going to take a <laughs> back. And I have watched these, like, three times in the last year and just hadn't really watched them at all before that, except mm-hmm. as really little kids. You guys do that. So. I'll check on Neko Atsume and see how kitties are doing. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars is cool, huh? Polly, you're not a Star Wars fan? Not the biggest one, no. Well, uh-huh. neither am I, but I, do, I still like Star Wars. So, it was weird for me, because, like, Star Wars should have been my big wheelhouse, because, you know, I'm kind of the science fantasy nerd and stuff. And I remember watching the originals when I was really young, and, like, A New Hope freaked me out, because there's a scene of Luke's dead parents, <laughs> <laughs> burnt and fucking mangled skeletons. Yeah. There is nothing left for me here now. I want to become yeah, a Jedi literally. like my father. All right, moving on. <laughs> but then, like, they never became, like, an obsession for me. Like, they became for a whole generation of people, apparently. A whole generation. And then, so when I... In 1997, I was 15, and they did the special editions in theaters. And I saw them again that way. And that was a pretty good age to be seeing them at, but, like, not 12 years old. I think that's the special age when stuff is really impactful. Like, for me, then, I had already had kind of the formative experience of stuff like 
Final Fantasy IV and Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger and Super Final Met- Fantasy IV was me. I yeah, and Super Metroid. Yeah, it's like I was just like, oh, those were cool movies, and then, and then the prequels happened. Mm. So two years later, Phantom Menace came out, and I was just like, "Fuck Star Wars, man! I'm fucking out." <laughs> that movie's so terrible. I remember going to the opening of Episode One with some friends, and as soon as the text crawl started, yeah, I stood up and said, "Well, this sucks." <laughs> it was it acted like I was walking out of the theater. I pissed a lot of people off. <laughs> two hours you were the one having the last laugh yeah exactly it literally like opens about a scroll about taxation it's like what this is star wars mm-hmm. like government politics and it's so uh those are so bad so then i finally rewatched the trilogy now the originals like 15 years later and they're really good or at least the first two are I know that Empire is fan goddamn tastic. Yeah, I uh, do love that movie. So yeah, I have come around on the popular opinion that Empire is the best and Jedi is the worst. Yeah, mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a few things just really stuck out to me when rewatching them. Like in the first movie, like Darth Vader isn't like this super imposing badass that he kind of became, where he's just like kind of the guard of Grand Moff Tarkin, yeah. played by. Christopher Lee, is it? I don't know. No, no. no I don't think so. Movie. Christopher Lee's in the prequels. No. Oh, I'm thinking of somebody else. Yes. Oh, shit. Anyways, but like, and then he dies when the Death Star blows up, but Darth Vader gets away. But then in the later ones, like, Darth Vader's like, Luke, I am, you know, I'm not going to do the voice. I I should not do voices on this podcast. In the second the second one, he has his own theme. In Empire, he has his own theme. He's yeah. big with the climax, and he kills a bunch of his own people for bringing him bad news. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He kills people in the first one, too. But there's also, like, the uh, scenes where, like... He kills, he kills people on... He doesn't uh, kill people on his own side, I don't think. Yeah, he does choke somebody, though, when he, they insult He the chokes somebody, and then, and then Grand Moff Tarkin is like, Hey, Vader, stop that. And he's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So he's not as imposing. Yeah. And Leia makes a joke about, like, oh, you're the one holding Vader's leash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, I know a million people have probably made this comparison, but it kind of feels very similar to how Metal Gear has changed Big Boss over the years. Yeah. Where he was just the villain in the first one, and then you killed him, and that was it. And now there's that whole prequel trilogy. And now he is, like, the specter into... that haunts that entire series. Yeah. Where they, like, mm-hmm. turn him into this perfect soldier god, and then the whole Solid Snake <clears throat> became, like, a clone of him. They, after made up the whole clo- they made up the clone thing for Metal Gear Solid. That yeah. was not yeah. a thing before that. And it's just like how Star Wars kind of made up the whole I am your father thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's weird how, like, little things like that aren't completely consistent between the originals. How, like, in the first one, like, the Force and, like, Jedi are just, like, regarded as legends that don't really exist. And then by by Jedi, oh, by the way, the leader of the Empire is this evil old space wizard. Like, why yes. wouldn't you believe in the Force? <laughs> and also, and then, I don't think they even have anybody move anything with the Force until the Empire. Yeah, right? probably. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, Luke he chokes somebody one. with force. But aside from yeah. that, no, he's not, not moving anything. 
yeah, yeah Luke's, Luke's lightsaber in uh, Hoth was the first time I think anybody moved anything with space magic. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. then at, by the end of the movie, they're flinging boxes at each other. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing bigger than that, but, you know, boxes. Yeah, that part was really awkward when Vader's just, like, throwing shit at Luke. <laughs> but yeah, there's not a whole lot of Jedi stuff in the first one. Like, Luke's big moment is blowing up the Death Star. Like, yeah. his own, I think his only scene with the lightsaber is that training thing with the little droid shooting lasers at him. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's just right. in, It's interesting how little... the lightsaber comes into the first one like there's that one duel with darth and ben kenobi and mm-hmm. that's it yeah that, and, it really i really like how the force works in the first one where it's just like this kind of mm-hmm. metaphor for luke achieving a kind of spiritual connection yeah. and then that's how what lets him um blow up the death star and it's what and right right before that han comes in and is no longer like just consu- consumed by money yeah. and everything it's it comes together really nicely yeah i also watched the uh the de-specialized editions mm, those are so pretty yeah they look really good and they also undo the bullshit yeah mm-hmm. so like i know people there's the whole greedo shoots first thing or like yeah. hot shot first thing and like i kind of get it now just watching this like that scene doesn't make sense if Greedo gets a shot off, because the whole point mm-hmm. is you see Han like readying his gun, readying to ice this dude before he can get shot himself. Yeah. So it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense for Greedo to shoot and miss and have like a CGI like head twist where Han dodges <laughs> the shot. Like fucking what? That's so <laughs> fucking stupid. Yeah. But also just all the CG in that movie is really ugly. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was the only way I saw those movies as a kid. I oh. finally got to watch the real versions like this year, and that's why I've watched them like four times. Yeah, oh, awesome because I have VHS releases of the original. Nice. Yep. Yep. We watched the whole trilogy and then realized we had the one DVD set that had the unaltered versions that are, aren't those... great quality but are still much much more preferable. Yeah, oh, God. it was like are... it was like laser disc rips or something, so it was like, uh, really squished yeah. onto the screen. But I I treasured those like. Because yeah. we had the VHS tapes. I don't know what happened to them, but damn, like, as soon as I found those, I was like, nope, I'm getting these. Got to preserve yeah, I'm this at, memory. I'm looking at those DVDs right now, and I'm really happy we have them. Cool. There was something else I was going to say that was bugging me about inconsistencies between it's weird the two how movies. Return, it's weird how Return of the Jedi is just two movies squished together. Yeah, that's... Yeah, so Empire <laughs> is so goddamn the, um... good. <laughs> and then yeah. Jedi just opens with... Oh, by the way, we built another Death Star out of fucking nowhere. Like, what? Why? <laughs> and then... And also, the Jabba stuff is just the... Um, is Anna's least favorite chunk of the movies, just because it's where the kind of gross gender stuff in Star Wars just really comes into focus. It's, it's weird, because like, Leia that's... really doesn't do that much throughout like the entire mm-hmm. trilogy. But yeah, and then mm-hmm. she just inexplicably gets put into a bikini. And at least, like, nobody... So it's, like, the only... Mm-hmm. Nobody else comments, yeah. But it's still yeah. weird that the only, like, sexual energy in the trilogy is in the gross, non-consensual yeah. slave context. But it's not even, like, sexual e- energy, though. It's just, she's wearing this right now. Nobody comments on it. So it's just yeah. kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Like, Luke just saves her, doesn't say anything, doesn't, like, leer at her. Mm-hmm. Thank God. <laughs> Cause, yeah, I would be make things a little awkward. (laughs) (laughs) 
But yeah, it's super weird that that movie is just 40 minutes on Tatooine, then a brief like Yoda dies segment, and then the entire rest is climax. Ewoks and Endor. Oh god. And fucking Ewoks. <laughs> and Luke inside the, Luke's inside the the Emperor's chamber for like 45 minutes because they spend so much time cutting to other characters. Yeah. That's the thing they've done like more and more as the series goes on is like kind of cutting between different action scenes and I'm not really mm-hmm. a fan of even, that. Even in even in Empire, I remember thinking cuz the Vader and Luke stuff is so involving yeah. that when it cuts on and Lando and everyone I'm just like huh. <laughs> I think it's almost good though cuz it gives you a chance to breathe. Yeah, yeah it does yeah. cuz that Otherwise, is really heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, the start of that fight is so good. And it's interesting mm-hmm. because they don't have music for it. It's just yeah. sound effects, and that's so affecting. Because mm-hmm. the whole rest of the series is Big John Williams, Big John. Yeah. So having that scene be silent just means yeah. so much. And Luke jumps, and then in the special edition, he like goes, ah! <laughs> as he falls. Uh... <laughs> but man, that movie's I remember, really good. I remember re-watching a bit of episode one on TV. Mm. At one point, and it was the pod race, which is like the only decent scene. And I noticed that that has no music as well. Oh, cool. <clears throat> yeah. It's like the one thing they did right in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No music can be used really well occasionally, mm-hmm. especially it, in Star Wars. It brings Wars. out the actual intensity of a scene more yeah. than a score can. Have you guys seen that video that's like the end of A New Hope without music? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Start. Most of the most of the Death Star stuff doesn't have music. It's kind of yeah. at the end when um, it, that scene goes on probably a lot longer than most people realize because most of the beginning is not music. Mm. It's when one of Luke's friends dies and he, he it becomes obvious that he's the last oh, one yeah. who can actually pull it off. That's when the music starts. Hmm. I didn't notice that. That's yeah. cool. It is if, cool. If it is there at all, it's very low. Like I remember during like some of the initial confrontation between the Emperor and Luke, there's like a you can very very faintly hear like the the motif of the Imperial mm-hmm. March. Like it's 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 like a breath almost. You can oh, barely tell that. it's there. And that was that was perfection because it was it was just pervasive enough for you to know that it was there, but it it let like the energy between the the two characters be the star so it was still kind of helping paint the idea that this was supposed to be like this really immense rivalry between these two guys that just met have all this history against each other and didn't even realize it until they got into this room or at least luke had no idea about this guy mm-hmm. to this depth and it just I, it was it was probably the best part. like it, it pains me because the rest of return of the jedi is just so schizophrenic in its messaging and what it, it mm-hmm. and the, the loudness that it achieves and then you keep cutting back to those death star scenes and there's just it's so faint and so quiet and the music finally takes a back mm-hmm. seat until the exact right moment where the fight becomes like almost animalistic in its violence like oh. there's it's it, with the prequels, they went too clean and everything was so choreographed and it looked goofy. It looked like a Cirque de Soleil act more than it yeah. did fighting. Mm-hmm. And then in that fight in Return of the Jedi, it's it's like the one place where they really got, I think, just the exact right energy for that scene down where it's just it's these mm-hmm. two guys and one of them 
doesn't really want to do this and the other one is getting consumed by his will to do it and you see like that energy shift between Darth who's making these careful blocks and occasional forwards to like you know let his son know like I don't fuck with me now Luke but then Luke's <laughs> like fucking Luke's fucking hammering into this you could just see him swinging this thing and it's more like a guy like beating somebody senseless with a baseball bat than it is like this choreographed angelic dance of blades like they tried to pull off in the prequels and that's I, that's probably my favorite part of the whole the whole movie of return of the Jedi. And then the rest of the movie mm-hmm. is just like, I, I, what are we doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I do. Yeah, when, the, when the choir comes in, in the climax of Jedi as they're fighting, mm-hmm. I think right after Vader, like says, maybe you're, maybe I'll get your sister instead. And he's like, ah, <laughs> yeah. comes in. that's just really haunting and effective. And then in like 30 seconds, he cuts off Vader's hand. And, ugh. That yeah, part of the movie is really good. It is. It's a shame about the rest of it. <laughs> I do really. Like I mean, the job, I think the job stuff is. I think the job stuff is really imaginative um, in the set design, at least. It's weird and gross in a lot of ways, but also still kind of peak there. Where the, the stuff like in the first movie with the bar scene, yeah, just with having an area full of cool-looking aliens. Um, but it's also like. It kind of feels unimaginative in the sense that they went back to that That's scene from mm-hmm. the, like the same planet and the same kind of seedy villain hive of scum and villainy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But kind of up the ante, like Jabba's Palace is a much more elaborate scene mm-hmm. than the bar. For what it's worth, Anna thinks Luke is sexiest in that movie. Like <laughs> when he just walks in and is just like force chokes the guy and is <laughs> completely confident. Well, now we know what. Now we know what gets her going. You just need to go around choking people, John. You will be the sexiest you've ever been. Just go around and choke people. It makes sense. (laughs) Bet she loves the villain in the new one. Ah, we both do. (laughs) I do really like the design of the rebel ships in Jedi, Mm -hmm. and they make Mm -hmm. a good contrast to like. This really sharp, angular Empire ships, and then you got these kind of smooth, circular, oval-based rebel ships. Mm. Like uh, in the Empire, big... when they have the big fleet of Star Destroyers, and then the one giant Star Destroyer over all of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a great moment. It's like, oh, shit! <laughs> so yeah, I watched the original trilogy, and then the next day, I went to see Episode 7. Cool. And... I had mixed feelings on it, like immediately afterwards, and I think I've kind of settled on it. I think I like it as much as Dead Eye, maybe, mm. but it's mm. also like a totally different movie, like style-wise, where Jedi mm. is like you have the first half and the second half, like there's these two big kind of set piece things, mm-hmm. and the new one is just a non-stop like set pieces. There's like eight locations in a row. It's just kind of exhausting at the point. Mm-hmm. Like they I like keep how moving from location to location, the, they just feel like they cr- tried to cram so much stuff into it. Mm-hmm. It just feels like they got the texture. They finally kind of got the texture of the old star Wars movies in a way that the prequels were just, that's the thing with the prequels is that they're bunk on a story level, but they're also just very viscerally ugly movies. Yeah. And so, no matter how the story works on this one, it's it's really pretty, I think. <laughs> yeah. I did really like the villain as a take on the Darth mm-hmm. Vader character that is not Darth mm-hmm. Vader, part two. Like, 
Mm-hmm. That, that was really cool. I thought um, it was really clever. Yeah. I, I, there's also a stormtrooper with the Tonfa. Mm-hmm. And I've and, seen and that actor probably... who played Darth Vader, the, the guy who plays Darth Vader part two, but not really. We've mm-hmm. seen him in TV shows before. Oh, and wow. It just, it, the, um, it delivered, it kind of, um, carried some of the energy from we've what we've seen him in before into this movie in a funny way my uh my uh, audio engineer jedi name is darth fader <laughs> <laughs> that You're reminds welcome. me i really like some of the sound design in the new one mm-hmm. where like when they're force choking people the bass goes up super high and was like shaking the entire theater that's really cool so it's a <laughs> It's like actually kind of showing you like you're feeling something invisible. Yeah. But you still feel it. And it's really mm-hmm. effective. Mm-hmm. And like just in general, like the blasters, like you see them punch through armor now. Oh. Like there's a little black charred hole when somebody gets shot. Mm-hmm. I think my something. favorite thing in the whole movie, just texture wise, mm-hmm. was having a lightsaber cut a tree. And ha- then in the next yeah. shot, the tree falls over. It's like. That means so much more than all of the magic lava CG in oh, the God, prequel. Yeah. And the yeah. fight itself is way shorter. It's just everything is just so much more impactful. Um, yeah. The, just I was viscerally. just going to say the lightsabers just felt so much more threatening than they ever have before. Mm-hmm. Like, they crackle and like spark. Like mm-hmm. they just feel like pure so electricity. With the Vader guy. I think his is like oh, really? especially like um, unstable looking cool if you zoom in on it it's yeah. really cool and i also mentioned there's a stormtrooper with a tonfa <laughs> who fights a dude with a lightsaber and it's like the my favorite fight i wish that was longer because it's so out of nowhere <laughs> he just starts swinging that thing against a lightsaber and winning <laughs> <laughs> oh my god poor finn he does not catch a break in that movie i didn't realize that until people were complaining on message boards that he was just kind of mm-hmm. a comic relief character. Yeah, I don't even know. It's I don't really feel like anyone in that movie really has any culminating moment that really makes emotional sense. Oh, I think, I think Darth Vader 2.0. Okay, okay. It's kind of his movie so far. Like, in yeah, yeah. Ray and sense. Finn get more development in the later ones, and Poe like actually becomes a person <laughs> instead of like. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Like apparently he was supposed apparently this had a major script changes like during production and they had to shuffle a bunch of it around. Oh, uh, that's unfortunate. And, yeah, and Poe was supposed to just die and everything and um Okay, well I wasn't talking spoilers, but Okay, well I'm trying to be very vague here. Sorry. So yeah. The um so you can kind of feel that a lot. And the next movie does not have J.J. Abrams directing, which makes yeah, me feel better because I hate all of his movies except this one, which I kind, I kind of felt like. his uh, humor was all over this one. Mm, yeah. I, I liked how unmarvely it felt for the most part. You think? Because I, I love Marvel movies. It's just um, there's a couple moments where like, oh, there's a Marvel joke. Like when Poe at the very beginning of the movie is like, so who talks first? Do you talk first? Yeah, Do I that- talk first? That yeah. one line is like, okay, wait a minute. Which movie are you trying to make now? That one seems so out of place. Uh-huh. I didn't like, like that line. Yeah. 
But aside from that, it feels very a lot less quippy, which I appreciate. A lot less Joss Whedon-y. Yeah, but that that line set the tone for me. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was a good movie. I, we'll probably watch it again mm-hmm. before eight comes out. But I wasn't like super blown away. Like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever. Did, you see, did any of you see Super Eight? Nope. No. Nope. I really, I really don't like that movie. It's the same thing with Joss Whedon, with not, not Joss Whedon, J.J. Abrams, where just it, it feels everything feels good and makes sense and feels like it should make sense and feels like it should be emotional and then it just isn't. Um, same with the Star Trek movies, and um, this one is probably the best movies ever made. And it still just kind of felt his fingerprints. And he's not on the next one. So the next one is by a guy who did Breaking Bad episodes. Oh, interesting. That's all I know about him. I was looking up his filmography and it's like I hadn't seen any of it. But I didn't see TV stuff in there. Mm -hmm. So So he did Breaking Bad stuff. And Breaking Bad is nothing if not like tight, cool storytelling (laughs) that makes sense. Yeah. I do hope the next one kind of slows down and gets into more character stuff. Mm -hmm. Because this one is like, I feel like this one is just about setting the texture, which J.J. Abrams is really good at, is stealing other people's texture and making it work (laughs) for him. Um, (laughs) And he did a great job here. So I feel like we're the only, this is the only place on Earth where where people aren't going to be just going, oh, this is so good, this is so good. Everyone else is, so y'all should probably go see it if you're interested. I thought it was pretty good. It's pretty good. It's I saw it great. I mean, I'm not even discussing the prequels. Yeah. They're so bad. Mm-hmm. I saw a great like quip that was calling the new planet Jakku. They call it Tatooine, and two is spelled T W O. Because it's really just, hey, we made another desert planet that's exactly like Tatooine, but we're not calling no. it Tatooine. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like a slightly even more run-down piece of shit planet <laughs> that just seems to have nothing on it besides a crashed Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Which is such a good set piece. God, the trailer shows so many good moments from that movie yeah, visually. I think that's the problem I have now, is that the trailers felt more emotional than the actual finished product. Mm-hmm. Like some of those long shots mm. don't hit as hard as they did in the actual trailer. Yeah, those, the very first teaser trailer had this super long moment of staring out of the desert before Finn's head pops up. That's just not in the movie. They just have his head pop up. Yeah, that was weird. And, like, <laughs> the the shot of the lightsaber, the red one, and then the two things coming off the side isn't in the movie exactly as it was in the trailer either. Mm, like, yeah. it's a lot more abridged. Mm-hmm. It's weird. What are you going to do? It's a cool I'm movie. Gonna, I'm looking I'm forward gonna... to seeing the second one. Because um, I think it's probably going to be better. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I, I feel like <laughs> my my issue with the new movie is that the reverb is that it has moments that should reverberate through the fabric of the cosmos. When in reality, they're just like, "Oh, wow, that's a that's intense." Instead of <laughs> being so intense like the original movie. I think Polly is telling us to move on because she's I... that cat game again. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Beyond Star Wars, what have you been doing lately, Reet? Polly, are you here? I'm here. Okay. <laughs> I'm paying attention. Sorry. <laughs> I can look at cats and listen to Star Wars. How come you didn't talk about the cat game on your what you've been playing? 
because I mentioned it at the start of the episode. <laughs> you were all like, oh, this game takes too long. And then a week later, like, oh, yeah, I have 50 cats living here. Cats. I uninstalled it because yeah. I, I, I hated it. And then I reinstalled it. <laughs> Is it better than 10 billion lives? Uh, it's got cats. They Ten visit. Cats. They they visit and they play with toys. And Wait, now is, I've so and I've got clicker game. I've got one named Misty. She's sleeping on a pillow, and it's adorable. <laughs> this seems like my jam, but I don't have a smartphone. <laughs> Do you have to be active in it? No, that one bit. No, you just like you just check it every you know hour or so. You're like, hey, there's new cats playing around with all the stuff that I got. <laughs> That's pretty great. Uh, I've been continuing to play PSO2 because I have oh. trash. Why? So there's two <laughs> things. Holly. <laughs> I just started, I just booted up Legacy of the Wizard, so go on. Okay, fuck both of you. <laughs> go on about PSO2. <laughs> We're dicks. You're both dicks. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'm not John, either. I'm John piled on. on. Anyways, there's two things I want to mention in PSO2. The first is that they added a mission called Mining Base Demise. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had a tower defense thing as one of the emergency missions for a while. And this is the fourth iteration of it. And it's super fucking hard. It's yeah, you guys have been talking a lot about that one. I have beaten it like three times, I think, out of maybe... 12 attempts like it's getting ugly like how hard this thing is is it that like the consensus or do you just suck i think there's definitely part of i suck because i'm not some person who's been playing this game at level 75 for like three years and has like millions of meseta poured into weapons and shit gotcha yeah but it's also just like it's really fucking hard because you have these three towers you have to defend oh that's always the best part of fucking yeah oh so the enemies just rush the towers and ignore the players. So mm-hmm. that's why it's hard because they just sit there and, and eat the damage. And you can't really do anything about it besides kill the enemies as fast as possible. God. And just the enemy waves that they throw at you in this thing are fucking ridiculous. Like the first enemy is like a, a boss similar to Ragna. Yeah. And he can throw a bomb that'll stick to a tower. and. Oh. Like, and then, like, 20 seconds later, if you don't destroy the bomb in time, it just one-shots the tower. Oh, that's good. So in the, fir- in the first wave, you can lose one of the towers very easily. And that happened when me, Chelsea, and Sayara were doing it together one time. We were whacking that bomb, and it went off, and it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, one of the later waves just has, like, all the other Falses appear oh, at once. What? So it's the, like the mini versions, like because the it's <laughs> so this game is super fucking weird. There's four dark phases now. Yeah, and there's like a large version that's like the emergency mission that you fight, and then there's smaller versions that are can show up in stages. So it's all three smaller versions at once. So you've got Hunar and an Angel and Double there all at once, wailing on these towers. God, and then the giant robots you can summon. There's darker versions of them now. Oh. And they, they just bad. Yeah. So like when they spawn in, the first thing they do is try to charge up a laser at the tower. And if that laser goes off, it also does a ton of damage. And then there are darker towers that also shoot lasers. So like 
there's just shit all over the map that if you don't kill it right away, it will do a ton of damage to the towers that you're trying to keep alive. And it's just this chaotic mess a lot of the time. Sounds really fucking dumb. It's it's fun in that it's not easy. And PSO is such an easy game. It's kind of nice having content that you actually (laughs) have to pay attention to. Yeah. To win. And you feel it feels good when you win. But there is something about this mission that also completely broke it for me that I didn't realize at first until Sayara told me. And that's the mission rank affects the drops you get at the end. Oh, no. So keeping all the towers alive affects the rank. Yeah. So I found the first time I beat it, it's way easier to just defend one tower and fuck the other two. Yeah. So just have everyone just defending this one tower to keep it alive at full health and stuff. But then you'll just get a B rank because you didn't do good. Yeah. So when we were playing the three of us and nine other randos and that bomb went off and destroyed the tower in one hit, people start leaving. Oh, good. So, yeah, that's when it gets really ugly is when people, like, as soon as things start going wrong, like, the MPA just starts breaking up and people start leaving because they want to get an S rank. Uh, and that just totally ruins it for me. Yeah, that would, no way I would ever play it again. Yeah, because this is a mission that's schedule only, so it's yeah. only available for like half an hour twice a day at kind of rotating times. Yeah. It's like the most reliable way to get a party that won't fuck off is to start it at like 25 minutes in. Yeah. So that if they restart, then they're just not doing it, so they'll probably stick it out. Yeah. So, yeah, it's that's such a bad idea, I think, is having... It should just be you won or you didn't win. Yeah. You know? It's... uh, Yeah. That's terrible. It's just... It's it's frustrating when, like... Because you need as many people as possible. So as soon as you're, like, down to 9 out of 12, it's like, well, we're kind of fucked no matter what now. Yeah. Right? Because one of the things that they have as, like, a mechanic is each person gets two heals and two shields that they can use. But they can, they, it's not per tower. That's, that's just yeah. period. So if they leave in, like, the first one or two waves, you're fucked later on. Because yeah. you're missing, like, a huge amount of, of support that you'll need mm-hmm. to keep those towers alive. And that just makes things worse for everybody, so it just kind of becomes, like, a domino effect. You lose, like, two people in wave one, and that just becomes, like, nobody wants to stick around because they know by the end of it, yeah. you know, wave five, you're going to be down to, like, one tower when the, the big boss finally shows up, and then nobody's going to get anything good. So then everybody's just like, well... I'm uh, I'm good. We'll uh, we'll see you guys later. Yeah. That's that's like one thing you can expect from the PSO community these days. It's just straight up greed, you know. That's that, yeah. I mean that shit happened as far back as PSU. Oh, or, I'd say that shit happened as far back as PSO version one. Yeah, but 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 like when mission ranks started being a thing, yeah, like. It started being the only thing in uh, in PSU. It's just like the very instant someone would die or something, I'd be like, well, there goes half the team. They mm-hmm. done fucked off to nowhere. Great. So such a good idea. Yeah, so that's that's super frustrating. And then last time I played it, I, like, I started a mission, and then the, the bomb went off and like killed three people right there because I was right there trying to stop it. I'm like, hit the burst barrier! 
And then it explodes, kills three people, blows up the tower, and then I just see people start leaving. I'm like, oh, fuck. So then we restart at like 25 minutes in, and we get to the very, very end and still lost. I'm like, god damn it. <laughs> All 12 people were still there, and we still lost. That's how hard this thing is. But Christ. you get to summon giant robots and beat the shit out of Dark Fells, so that's cool. <laughs> And the other thing I want to bring up is they've revealed episode four. Oh, uh, yeah, they have. People not happy with the stuff they're showing yet. No, they're not. So one of the things they're bringing in is a new class called Summoner. Yeah. Who has like these Pokemon looking things, <laughs> but like really shitty off-brand Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And I just want to, I was looking at Bumped before we recorded it. And I just thought this line was hilarious. A pet's abilities can be customized by arranging candy in a box. By compressing the candy, you can fit even more abilities inside. So they're literally bringing in, like, the Resident Evil inventory management thing. Wow. As, like, a minigame in PSO. Um, Scrolling down, there's a new server, or new story. Episode 4 will feature new characters, comma, like high school students, Hitsugi and Kori and a mystery boy who was recently given the name Aru. And that segues into the new area, which is planet Earth, because we don't have any new ideas. Boy, oh boy, that's... (laughs) Planet Earth will serve as the main stage for the beginning of Episode 4. Players will head to the streets of Tokyo, Japan in the year 2028 to face a new (laughs) host of enemies. And then... They have shit like bears and Yakuza, and there's a dragon made out of trains. Yeah. And helicopters. Dinosaurs. Oh, my God. It just... And there's, like, racing stuff on the streets where you're jumping through rings like it's Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) So, like, PSO World just exploded in, like, a bunch of people being like, I quit. And I did see some people, like, posting their account information there because they were just like, I'm out. Yeah, didn't someone on PSO World like delete every single item and like post screenshots of everything being trashed? Something like that. Oh, I didn't there was see that, some, but I totally believe it. There was some huge upset. Like I don't really read the plays anymore, but whenever Sayara is like talking about how much he hates doing moderation stuff for it, he's like, "Check this thread out," or like, "Oh God, this one's at it again," and he posted that just this this <laughs> post of just sheer anger at how. Like completely creatively bankrupt Sega is, and he can't believe he's put this many years into the game. And there was uh, many a picture of like all these extremely rare weapons that took them years <laughs> to find, and millions of Mesida to grind to the maximum everything. And uh, in in less than an afternoon, three years of work just completely undone. <laughs> so stupid! Such drama queens. Like, just don't log in. Like, I, it's yeah. okay. You're angry, but don't just, just leave. Although yeah. I did something kind of similar in PSU. When I left initially, I set up a, an account, a new character called Crazy Ernie based off of the uh, the TV character from uh, the Brave Little Toaster. Yeah. And I just sold everything I had for a single Mesida. Like, everything. <laughs> all the rarest items that the people wanted. Just a Mesida. Just come and get it, oh. kids. I didn't care. You put it on your shop, cool. Yeah, I just sold it. Like I, that, because that, you know I didn't want to play anymore, but other people did. So I didn't see the purpose in just leaving everything locked away forever. So if somebody wants, you want You want a black? <laughs> what was it? Black Hawk or Black, black Viper? Like, black Viper. Like what? The rarest 
rifle that there yeah. was. I finally got one, and I sold it off for a single mess. It because I was just, I was done. It's over. That, that that I mean, I understand definitely the frustration and wanting to to you know get the grieving out some way, but I just I lost it at that. Like man, man, <laughs> man, man. It, it's it's it's. Uh, did you uh, did you also see the news about the anime? Yeah, so like that's the whole thing about this is that somehow the story is going to tie into this anime that looks really bad as well. And it's being localized by Sentai oh, Film right. before we're ever seeing an official release of PSO2 in the States. That's so fucking crazy! <laughs> oh, I, I, sh- I meant to put this on news, but I forgot, so thank you. PSO2 is getting localized. By the way, PSO2 the anime. <laughs> And it looks so bad. They ha- I-, I hadn't actually watched the trailer for it yet until I hopped in to play with uh, Sayara and some of our people today. And I, I, th- I sw- this was my reaction. Like, I'm sitting there. Because they've-, they've done anime advertisements on the TVs there all the time. So I'm sitting there just watching this. Like, what the fuck is this? Because it kept showing, like, all these school people. Like, the school boy, like, in the bathroom. And somehow this girl got in there. And she's, like, giving him the creep eyes. And he's, like, jumping. It's, all- it's anime. It's all fuck. And I'm just like, what is this just garbage and then i got i i got the clue when she starts stat the the, one of the girls just starts stacking a bunch of papers together and she does like the little like arraigning move where she's trying to get all the papers to line up nice next to each other you can just see like the the fantasy star 2 logo like really cheesily stretched on like it was just (laughs) it was just like photoshop warp distort tool onto this paper and i was like Uh... oh jeez like this this is what we get Hey, Polly, will will you watch it if they put coffee in it? Maybe. I'll I'll send you any scenes that have coffee in it. That'll work. Because I'm totally going to watch this thing because I hate myself. Oh, yeah. I (laughs) I got to, but oh, my God, why? But it'll only be a tiny, tiny fraction of the amount of hours you put into the game proper. (laughs) (laughs) To watch the show. See, at least I can lie to myself and say, oh, I was playing with friends with the other. This anime is just going to be a time sink. And (laughs) I... So yeah, that's that's PSO two continues to be trash. Ooh. It's still a thing. Hey, hey. <laughs> everyone, everyone needs a, needs trash, right? Yeah, I suppose. maybe not trash MMO because you can never win. <laughs> I think it's okay. You play as long as you feel like, and that's fine. <laughs> so I played a little thing called Undertale Red. What's that? Red. This is a fan game that somebody made. It's a boss fight against a character named Red who is not Red from Neptunia. Well, then what's and, the Well, then it already is stupid. And it's just a really cool bullet hell thing in an Undertale yeah, wrapper. I, I posted it on Tumblr, and if you like yeah. search Undertale Red, it's obviously yeah, easy yeah. to find. Cool. Uh, it's just this really cool thing somebody made, and it totally like fits that style and it made me really just want like a toho game to basically just rip off undertale because <laughs> like the combat mechanics in that just kind of as a shmup work yeah. really well yeah where you're kind of in this you're dodging a lot of attacks and then trying to balance out when to heal i would honestly be shocked if something like that isn't in the works somewhere i mean there's a full binding of isaac mod for undertale so yeah toho cannot be far behind there must. But not even like specifically like directly referencing Undertale. I just think it would would be cool for like a Toho RPG to have 
kind of bullet helly battles in that style. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you look at the Toho Dojin scene, it's entirely made up of, oh, hey, it's this game, but Toho. Yeah. Mm. So it's, I would not be surprised. Are you if, saying it's com- devoid of originality? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> to be honest, I haven't looked at the Dojin scene in several years. What? You haven't kept up? Not since Cerno Racing never came out. Uh, but anyways... Were any yeah. of those actually good? Toho Labyrinth was cool. I like Labyrinth of Toho. Cool. There's some cool stuff there. Like there's that Castlevania one that's like super pretty and super mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember stuff. trying super, super. I remember trying the Mega Man one, and it was just really hard. Mega Mario is okay, but those Mario, the Mario World ripoffs they made were just fucking trash. They that's got what I they thought. got progressively worse. <laughs> super Marissa World. Yeah, it just looked that's, bad too. Right, but then there was like new Super Marissa Land or something. Oh my yeah. god, they were all terrible though. <laughs> yeah, some of the stuff Gesh plays, I just don't get that at all. Not the one he's LPing right now, but like Mario Land as like Mappy this is Land just like something. this is just like the trash. This is like um, what's that? What's the ripoff series of Mario where we that we talked about a couple weeks ago? Oh, oh. The one Gianna Gianna so it's like the weird 2D think... HD remake of Gianna Sisters. That was just really ugly, but in like this hilarious flash game way. Yeah. It's like trash flash game aesthetic is Super Marissa World. <laughs> so yeah, Undertale Red is this cool thing where like there's two bosses in there because it plays out dramatically different if you choose to attack her or choose to talk to her. So, like, her attacks totally change depending on which route you go. And there's, like, eight endings, technically, because, like, the dialogue changes if you fight her and then don't get hit at all. Then she's, like, oh really my God. pissed. She's, wow. like, oh, my God, I'm worthless. I couldn't even hit you once. Like, Aww. there's some work to this thing. <laughs> and there's, like, another touch where, like, when you first load it up, it says, like, it generates a random name for you and then says level one. And if you kill her in any way... That changes to level question mark. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's a cool little thing. I had some fun with it, and I finished up my second true pacifist run of Undertale. <laughs> that game's <laughs> really good, you guys. Undertale's real good. Yeah, I, I don't think this is the card I need to tell it to, but man, <laughs> it might it might have came up a bit last year. I think I heard about it a few times. Yeah, might be worth checking out. With with the way people keep talking about it, it might. Yeah, this time I walked throughout the entire world and talked to goddamn everyone in the end. And there's a line at the end. If you go back to, I think it's Toriel's room at the very start, and talk to the cactus, the dialogue is like, it's not like this cactus was waiting for you to come back or anything. Oh my god. <laughs> and I just fucking lost it at that. <laughs> A cactus truly the most sundare of plants. Yeah. <laughs> that is a game full of setups and payoffs like that. Even if those payoffs are like t- 10 hours later. And then I got gifted some games on Steam. Not not as many as Pauly, apparently. Sorry. But uh, Carmichael Michaelis got me Besiege, which I haven't put a lot of time into. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to talk about that yet. And then... Uh, someone we may have heard of, Zalaz, a.k.a. Bill. <laughs> oh, that guy that you intentionally snubbed during the Game of the Year list readings. Yes, I remember mm, him. <laughs> that guy. 
Uh, he got me Sayonara Umihara Kawase. Which aren't oh. on Steam anymore. Yes, they got Which removed. got weird because I put this on my list and then a few hours later. By the way, those oh. games just got delisted from Steam. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Which sucks. And now I think they've been pulled off like Humble and stuff. And That's they might be on. crazy. They might have been on PSN and they're gone now. They were not on the services that long at all. Weeks. Yeah. Like had to have been weeks. Mm. I looked in like the SNES Famicom one. Mm-hmm. Which was the first to come out on Steam, I think, was like November 5th or something. So wow. Not even two months. Because the publisher just went bankrupt. Like, I think they were banking on these, just bringing in them Steam bucks, and it didn't happen, probably because they priced them way too high. Mm. And then, like, they were already, had announced bankruptcy, I think, way before the Steam sale. It was yeah. like December 11th or something. So I'm... Um, I'm playing, this is the third game in the series. It's a platformer where you have a fishing pole, and it's got super fucking crazy physics. That game's messed up, man. (laughs) Like, I've never played any of these. It's just super weird. Yeah. Like, just kind of... I tried pretty hard to play the first one, and it was really hard. Yeah, Yeah. it's they're really hard. So, like, Mm -hmm. this one just kind of throws you in. And you go through a couple levels, and then you reach a boss. I think it's level nine is the boss. And then I beat it finally, and then the credits rolled, and it, <laughs> and an achievement popped up and says, you beat the game. And obviously, I know that the thing in this is that there's multiple paths and stuff, mm-hmm. but I had not expected to reach an ending nearly that quick. Yeah, so like, that, I think all of the Umihara, Umihara Kawase games are like that. Yeah. So if you just follow like the easiest to find exit, you'll be done within like nine levels, and that's super weird. weird. I think it's called Yumi's Odd Odyssey on the 3DS. Yeah, so you can buy it at Sayonara Umihara Umihara Kawase for the Vita or Yumi's Odd Odyssey for the 3DS. Yeah, but I'm not sure if the Vita one is there anymore because which publisher that has. I think it still is. I just checked. Hmm. So yeah. Then I had to go back to previous levels to find the alternate exits that lead to more levels. And, like, the difficulty jump trying to reach those was pretty enormous. Yeah, it's it's a very common theme for those games. Yeah, it's like, I know where this exit is, but there's ice around it, and you can't grapple onto ice. So I have to, like, fling myself across the level in a certain way to gain momentum, to skid myself up the ice that I can't run up. It's like crazy stuff and then so i've gotten a lot farther past that but now i've like reached a point like halfway so there's 60 levels total and i'm like in the high 20s and like completely stuck i have three i have three levels that i haven't beaten and i have no Uh fucking clue on any of them but it's really Uh fun because it's like it's really pushing you to like figure this because it's almost like a puzzle game we're just like figuring out how to fling yourself using the mechanics. Yeah, it's like, hey, you know, get better and you can see more. Yeah. Like, there's the tricks you can do. Like, you grapple onto the ground and then loosen the rot, the loosen the wire, mm-hmm. and then like very quickly like tighten it and jump to let it go, and then you'll just like fling yourself forward really fast. It's like, it's the physics are really cool, and it feels like nothing like Bionic Commando in any way. <laughs> which you know nice. good or bad yeah. depending on how you look at it mm-hmm. but it's also like i can't like just do a bionic commando swing in this where you just like 
go up at 45 degrees and then swing and then let go. Like it doesn't work. No, no, that's like not you'd expect. How like you just kind of hang in midair and then dangle. fall. Yeah. Yeah. So that game's pretty neat and it's it's really a shame what happened with the publisher and hopefully they can find like new because like it's steam shouldn't the developer just be able to distribute themselves especially Mm. when the games are already done and up there Um, there's there's a bit of legal paperwork involved i actually had to talk to somebody about this because uh i'm looking at doing a steam light entry later this year Mm -hmm. and uh i was worried about like Am I going to have to publish it at, under my own like real name, or can I just do it under a company name? Do I need to have an officially established company, or can I just bullshit it and say this is the company name and it would just be okay? Like you know, I, I had mm-hmm. so many questions, like because you know when you're when you're just distributing something like Dogen Software, which you know something to like Game Jolt, nobody gives a shit. Like there's there's no legal anything involved. But when you're talking with big dogs like like Valve where they do everything by the letter of the law with lots of paperwork involved. You got to make sure everything's in, you know, good to go before you even get approved. Yeah. So mm-hmm. for those games uh to if if the developer can get the rights back from the publisher, they can, but they basically have to redo all of the paperwork that the publisher did. And it basically starts over from scratch. Is yeah. is mm-hmm. what it sounded like from the people I talked to. So it's possible. It just it really depends on how much the developer really wants this, or they you know they could maybe uh, look to somebody like Playism, who's already an established publisher on Steam, oh, yeah. and do like a publishing deal through them. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how well the uh, the developers really want to push for this. It's possible. Uh, I certainly hope they would, because a lot of people are really heartbroken over this loss. Like we just got them, yeah, and they're already they gone. Just... <laughs> The other thing that's always weird to me is like the publisher went bankrupt December 11th and then or around there. And then 20 days later, the games come down. Where was the money going that time when you bought them? That's a good question. Yeah, yeah. I just never know with stuff like that. As, as far as I know, I think all Steam developers only get paid once a month. So they would have only just gotten the money. Hmm. And... I think Valve even says like they just they don't even put it in escrow. So like once the money is sent, it's done. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen to all that money if if the publisher like if the publisher is gone, maybe they have somebody who's just going to like, you know, accept whatever money comes in and just use that as part of the bankruptcy process, to, like pay off debts. I don't know. That's it. It's it's so messy. Ugh. Yeah, it's not pretty at all. Mm. Sad. Yeah, that's. Has there been any other cases of stuff like that where a game got ripped off of Steam for like a publisher going down and then coming back? Not that I can think of, no. I don't know if they came down, but like stuff like Saints Row and all the THQ stuff. That went yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. But did it come... They were they were quickly relicensed. I don't think they came off though. I think they I just don't think updated. they ever came off, but they no. got updated with like Volition not Vol- Volition was the developer. I forget yeah. who bought it. It was Deep Silver, I think. Deep Silver. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I mean, Deadpool came down and went back up, but yeah. stayed under Activision. It was just a Marvel license thing. I'm a little yeah. sour about Deadpool. What? Because I came back. <laughs> I because I actually got a copy like 
I just won it like out of a like a thousand people. I managed to get the only copy off of this contest, and I was like, "Yes, I finally got this thing!" And this is just, like this really big deal. Like I finally got one of the big, you know, non-existent fish for Steam. And then like less than a month later, <laughs> Activision puts it back <laughs> up on the store. And I, was like, <laughs> I mean, it's great because uh, I, I haven't really sat down with it, but it seems it seems mostly charming for fans of, of Deadpool. So I, I'm kind of glad it's back so that people can. But I was like, "Damn." I finally got one of the big ones, and then nope, everybody gets it again. Yeah, it's, it's so funny how how in flux Steam is as a storefront. Absolutely, I mean that's better than like paying sixty dollars for it because yeah, for true. like I a didn't... rare key, and then the next day it comes back up. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, I I don't know how the key things are looking these days because trading is just neutered completely. Oh like, yeah. Seven day trade holds and somebody sent me one of my friends sent me a uh, an emote over Steam. They sent me Papyrus Face because I mentioned I wanted it and she'd mm-hmm. gotten like several for grinding her her badge up. And she's like, here, have this. And then Valve's like, oh yeah, since you're not using the mobile authenticator, both of you have to wait three days before you can get the emote trade done. I was like. Oh, gods this is all this stuff they're putting in place to make that impossible so I, yeah, yeah i guess that would suck if like the key market was still there and i traded like 40 keys for a copy of deadpool and then this deadpool pops up on the store page like, yeah it's 20 <laughs> bucks like shit steam is weird in general yeah just fucking weird i remember when i think neptunia rebirth 2 came out i bought that and then it was like oh these cards are worth a lot of money and it's like oh if you buy gems on the storefront, you can turn those gems into more trading cards, which are worth more money. Yeah. So I was, like, doing that, like, every day. <laughs> Make, like, 60 cents profit. And then they implemented the seven-day thing. It's like, oh, well, this is such that shitty now. fucks it. Yeah. I'm really glad the Steam sale doesn't have, like, the weekly... Or not the weekly, but the eight-hour flash yeah. stuff. It just mm-hmm. got exhausting. Yeah. Like, and now it's like they probably did way better because you can give stuff to people yeah. without being like, oh, what if it's cheaper later? Yeah. Like, it really made no sense the way it was before because Christmas happened towards the start. And it's like, well, not everything's gone on sale yet because there might mm-hmm. be a better sale later. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. hold off till the last day. Ugh. You also had like territorial differences. Like people in Europe would be asleep while a set of flashes were just getting started, and then they'd yeah. be waking up just before it ended, so they'd have like a half an hour to get coffee and check Steam. And be like, oh <laughs> shit, that game I wanted is actually a flash sale. It's seventy five off now. Same thing here. Like I'd be asleep. I'd, I had to. I would always have to shift my sleep schedule just enough so that I would <laughs> yeah. wake up like right as the next one was starting. Check Steam, make sure there was nothing good, buy anything that was good, and then just go right back to bed. Like it was. It was terrible. Like. I'm I'm glad they're gone. As weird as that is to, to just like have no excitement for this the sale, yeah. With, like the constantly changing, you know, sales. I, I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not actually missing that. Strangely, when it's now it's almost done. I, I definitely feel like this is probably the better idea. I mean, they kind of had to after they did uh, after they put refunds in and just made it like practically oh, automatic. Right. When you think about it, like they kind of had no choice but to do that because you know. 
buy a game and then three days later it goes on sale for a flash so you immediately go and request the refund and then valve system has to go okay this guy bought it here he hasn't done this with it he doesn't have the cards okay let's refund them but then the money's in limbo for like two days or however long it takes for your bank to to get the deposit back so you're you're out the money but they still give it to you so you can rebuy it at the lower price so it it was it was probably just the best way to go about it yeah at this point. yeah yeah, you're right that it was probably just refunds that forced it more than anything else. Because if the prices on stuff is changing every eight hours, like that's going to piss a lot of people off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen the uh, the little ARG that's going on right now with the the sale? I yeah, I've I, seen bits and Wally. pieces of it. It it looks fucking stupid, and I don't even know what it could possibly be for. I'm not betting on it being really anything, but it's it's entertaining at least to watch the internet go crazy about Valve doing secret things again. Yeah, like it could be Half Life. It's it's not. It's Half-Life. not Half Life. So I, I saw people like taking the numbers they'd uncovered, so it's like seven five three one. And if you look at the number pad and draw a line from seven five three and then five to one, it makes the lambda it's symbol. The lambda symbol. <laughs> <laughs> so like. It always comes back to Half-Life 3, though. Like, I really want that game, but I am, like, a year out from just not giving a fuck until they just announce it. Like, I can't get excited about dumb bullshit like this anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, maybe it exists. Just show me the game, Valve. Like, don't fucking tease me anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm just just numb to it because I like Half-Life 2 so much, and they... Then this happened. And I remember playing, uh, I played Half-Life 2 for the first time in like 2011. And I was like, well, I mean, it's been so long. I'm sure Half-Life Episode 3 will be super soon. Because <laughs> I, I waited all this time. And now it's been like four more years since then. It's like, well, five now. Oh, oh, oh fuck. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just like, I don't give a shit anymore. That's about yeah. when I played it and I've lost it. Oh my God, it's that game came, like... the original came out in 2004. What the f- that, I, I had uh, I have a Steam account that was registered almost a year to the day that Half Life Two came out. Yep, it's it's so long ago. My Steam account is like exactly ten years after Half Life came out because they did a sale, and that was yeah. the first thing I bought. <laughs> it was like two thousand eight, I think, because the original was ninety eight. I think the first Steam thing I bought was Modern Warfare 1, and I still haven't played it. <laughs> That's the Steam way. There mm-hmm. you go. The backlog. You learned early. You learned early. Why would you not play your first game? That's weird, actually. Eh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so that's what I've been up to. All right, so John Thayer. What? What you get for Christmas? What do you want? Oh, okay. Um, well, I got a bunch of fucking video games for Christmas. I thought you were going to say, I got a butt plug for Christmas. No, that was earlier. I mean, um, I got a bunch of video games for Christmas. Were they good? I haven't, I've only played a chunk of them yet, but so far, all of them are excellent. Fantastic. Can I tell you all what video games I got? I, it's up That's to you. what she's asking. Yeah. Okay. Either. Okay. I'm going to tell y'all. Because we stopped at a used game store in Canada, um, and my dad asked me to pick out whatever looked nice to me, you know, have, two, one have, or two games. They have video I, games out there? I know. 
And I ran back to him with five games and said, I cannot part with a single one of these. <laughs> and he bought them all for me. Um, for some reason, my parents are trying, I've been doing a lot to try to curry my favor lately. Huh. Um, <laughs> so I walked back to him. I'd found the five best games in that entire store, I'm convinced. I walked back to him and said, and gave him Dragon Guard 3, Near, R-Type Final, the Jack and Daxter Vita Collection, mm-hmm. and Solar Striker for the Game Boy. Huh. That's, that's a pretty damn good haul. Ain't it? Solar Striker was $2. Wow. Are you I'm, sure I'm Final just... Fries you got Near? That's pretty surprising. Yeah, that game was, all of them were less than 20 bucks. Um, R-Type Final was 10 and Solar Striker was 2 Um Aww. I know, it seemed, it felt criminal. I was like, you, y'all know this is a fucking classic, right? <laughs> but no one does. No one knows that about Solar Striker. It's, it's, it's shit. God. I know it. You know it. Y'all know it. Good. I know. Solar Striker is awesome. Yeah. Um, so, I've only played... So then, for Christmas, I had four games, I think, on my, um, on my wish list. And it was Wonderful 101 mm-hmm. for the Wii U, which looks awesome, which I haven't played yet. Bayonetta 2, mm. which is technically two games because it comes with Bayonetta 1. Yep, yep. I haven't played either of them yet. I told Anna that, like, Platinum Games, I played Revengeance, and that's like the whisper of the heart to Bayonetta's <laughs> spirited away. Yeah, that's, that's an apt comparison. Because Revengeance didn't even have Hideki Kamiya in charge. No, it didn't. So Bayonetta is the real deal. So, and I thought Revengeance was one of my favorite, is one of the best action games I ever played. So I'm really looking forward to seeing top tier platinum games. You know? Well, I, I think Revengeance is top tier platinum games, honestly. Well, yes, that's true. But I'm very interested, I'm interested in seeing more top tier platinum games. You, you know? Want, if you want bad platinum games, check out that Korra game. It sounds not that great. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. We rewatched almost all of it. We rewatched all of Avatar: The Last Airbender because we got the DVDs for Christmas. That shows and good. Then, and then you went on to Korra, right? <laughs> no, I still haven't seen the third or fourth seasons because the first two are so bad. No, wait, wait, wait. The second so one is so bad. The first one is so trash. Read. Come on, you're the one who literally said <laughs> trash is okay. Okay, well, that's not the... I, if I'm going to have trash in my life, I'm not going to have Korra trash. I'm going to have Drakengard 3 crash, which is what I've been playing for the last week and a half. And that's some pretty decent trash. It's That is great trash. It is unapologetic, blind, stupid, brain-dead trash. Oh and my I, god. And I enjoyed every minute. Oh yeah, I got Drakengard 3 and Nier. In addition, oh, and the last two games I got were Animal Crossing and Monster Hunter. Mm. And I played a bunch of Animal Crossing. We can get out of that in a minute. Um, so, let me tell, so let me tell y'all what I played that led to me, that led to Dragon Guard 3 being such a heavenly revelation. Since we last got together, I played all of Final Fantasy VIII. Uh. <laughs> Fuck that game. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that game. <laughs> I'm just having to be really clear and honest with y'all right now because were... I took everybody on an emotional roller coaster with that game. <laughs> yeah, for you for tried. for the two and a half to three weeks you were playing this game on Twitter, I was just waiting for it all to come tumbling down, tumbling down, tumbling down. I was just waiting, waiting because I I tried so hard. 
And you I liked really, the first disc. You seemed generally okay with of. it. I mean, the first disc was really boring. <laughs> but, you know, I and was... that's as good as it got. But <laughs> I think chunks of the... I think the second disc is as good as it gets. Because nothing fucking happens in the first disc. Um, let's There's just, a train. There's a train. There's a fucking train where you collect... <laughs> where you try to <laughs> catch this guy who you don't care about who's in charge of a country that we aren't convinced is actually threatening. You're put in through a giant set piece so that you can pass your final exam for school. That's exciting. We don't have any reason to think that Squall actually wants to be a seed or what that means to him. So none of that is impactful. The, we have no reason to think that the sorceress is particularly awful. So none of that, none of her assassination stuff is impactful. Um, yeah, Adia does not make as much of an impact as I would have hoped. No, nope. because she has a presence when she's there, but she's not there very often, and it just does not work. Especially because the only, cause they the only presence with, yeah. she really has is having nice boobs. Yeah, the only thing about oh, dog, be quiet. All right, I lost my train of thought. Speaking of trains, but yeah, Adia doesn't really work which is a shame because she has a pretty good presence when she's on screen. But this game basically is like four pretty good games scrunched together. Does that sound like an apt description? I would, I, I think saying pretty good is being a little generous, but <laughs> okay. uh, for the but sake, for the sake of brevity. Oh, I remember what I was going to say because they limply retranslated witch as sorceress. Yeah. So like, imagine how much better that would have been if they just spent the whole game calling everybody, Talking about witches and witches being persecuted and the power of witches. It would have worked a lot better than sorceress. Um, so there's the plot with the sorceresses, with the witches. There's the love story with Renoa and Squall. There's the rivalry between Squall and Seifer. And there's the whole fucking thing, the junction system. Um, and none of it makes sense together. None of it actually clicks. Maybe Renoa, Squall, and Seifer make sense. And then they kind of tie Renoa into the sorceress stuff, but not very effectively. Yeah. Um, so it's like four or five stories that you could spin into something good that are just scrunched together for no reason. Why are there three witches? Because the rule what? of Miyamoto says there has to be three of everything <laughs> okay. in a video game. Why, why is there Adele, sorceress Adele, <laughs> and sorceress Adia? Uh, no, not, not Adia, but Ultimecia. Why are there two witches from space with no coherent motivations? Um, why do there need to be two Zero Misses, basically? Like, Adia is the Golbez figure. Then they need some space person that just represents the incarnation of evil itself. Why have two? Yeah. Isn't this the thing where people think that Renoa is Ultimecia? I, uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> any any fan theory that people came up to this game is stupid because the game you, isn't worth you it. You don't think Squall is dead? No, I don't did think you, Squall is dead. Did you read that site after? Oh no, it? I didn't actually read the site um, because I, I was I didn't want to be spoiled. Um, with the lunar cry, that comes out of fucking nowhere, huh? <laughs> uh huh. So monsters just rain down from the moon. Wee. Um. When did, why is the why is the junction system? It's really stupid. Like it's why kind of is? fun. <laughs> the Which junction system is only there to break the game. That is it. 
why not just have all the characters be like separate people with like their own abilities and whatnot? Why introduce this bullshit? Um, because it took less brain power to make everybody the same person. Mm-hmm. Everyone is the same person. It's bewildering. Limit breaks are different. That's it. Yep. And even then, most of those are just make a bunch of damage. It's it's bullshit. So I just beat the game by casting aura on Squall a bunch. Yeah, I think that's what most people do. I beat a lot of I beat Bahamut in one hit. Yeah, not surprising. <laughs> um, God, it's it's pretty bullshit. Um, I like when Squall smiles at the end. Like they did a much more convincing power of friendship, turning someone's heart warm than in any other Final Fantasy game. Well, yeah, because they took four discs to fucking do it. <laughs> the only thing I... The only... Like, I think I was just playing... I, I was really having to push through the end there because I was playing for the spaceship stuff and eyes on me. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Because I wanted the sap and the melodrama. Cause, and <sighs> They take forever to build up to it, which is really nice. I compared it to Jane Austen on Twitter at one point. I don't think Final Fantasy VIII is quite Jane Austen now. No. Um, but that's my favorite part of the game, probably, is just the dopey romance between these two cardboard cutouts. Um, I liked a lot of Squall's internal dialogue. I was really, really trying. Um, I like Squall and Renoa and Seifer. Um, they were kind of the heart and soul of what game there was and what I enjoyed about the game and what kind of kept me going through it. Because I don't play 40-hour RPGs that I hate very... that aren't good very often, right? I don't, I generally just, I haven't finished Neptunia, even though that game is good. (laughs) And Um, that's the biggest crime of all of this. So there's something there in the heart and soul of that game in Squall and Renoa and Seifer, probably, that works. And then all the rest of it is just noise. It's just bullshit. Yeah. Uh, We told you going in. God. You guys told me going in. Thanks. We warned you. Nobody to blame but yourself. (laughs) No one to blame but myself. You do it to yourself, you do, and that's why it really hurts. Remember, who told you this game was good? Austin. (laughs) I'm just going to make a line of trust, a line of distrust, and everyone, my closest friends and family, are going to be on this side of the line. And on the other side of the line is all the people that think Chrono Cross is better than Chrono Trigger. There you go. <laughs> this should have been what it was from day one. See, I had you molded into the perfect John when we first met in 2010. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, had I like you, I was, Persona I, 4. I, I like Chrono Trigger. I'd already molded you like into good the Anna. perfect shape. Good were, anime. I liked Anna later, but I liked good anime at the time. You, you were already molded into the perfect shape. And then you mm-hmm. came along, you developed a conscience of your own for some stupid fucking reason, and you meet people playing like saga a- games. You meet people like Austin who think fucking Final Fantasy VIII's good. And now look at you. Look where you're at now. I played Dragon Quarter. He's left you high and dry. That was pretty so fun. high and dry. So Final I Fantasy VIII is. Don't worry, Polly. I see what you're doing there. I was gonna see how many more I could uh, sneak in there. But gravity always wins. So. It does. <sighs> So, man, I really tried. Like, um, all you're hearing on the podcast right now is kind of the vitriol, but I, w- I had like a month of, oh, look at this cool thing about Final Fantasy VIII. And, you know? me and, and then, like, me and Rhett <laughs> silently sitting back and just like, this game oh. is so good. It's so bad, but I like it anyway. It's like Sonic Adventure. But no. <laughs> but no, it was like Sonic Adventure 2. 
<laughs> it's it's Sonic. I like Sonic Adventure more than Final Fantasy VIII. Um, I'll take that. Yeah. Oh, Sonic Adventure is like ten hours long. Yeah. <laughs> wow, though. This game is trash. I'm, it's a really a shame that it followed up Final Fantasy VII, which is really good. Yeah, so that's my real problem with this one. Is that the whole thing about the English releases was that we didn't get every game over here for a while. Mm-hmm. So we got the really special ones. We got one, four, and six. Yeah. And seven. Mm-hmm. Like, those were... I mean, people can make an argument for five and three, but I think mm-hmm. we got a, we got a good mix of them, and we missed two, mm-hmm. the original two. And Which then is good. They followed up Final Fantasy VII, this genre-defying milestone that oh, like yes. introduced JRPGs to like a whole new generation, a whole new console, and they followed it up with this game. Oh, the ending is pretty. I like I like it when Seaford gets to be with his friends again. I like Squall smiling. That's it's not enough. No, it's just not enough. I said. I said afterwards. I cannot go play Final Fantasy IX now. I need time before I can trust again. <laughs> I pl- I played nine. It's all right. I beat it. Nine, nine's okay, y'all. Yeah. Nine's all right. Oh, they all just right. anna- speaking of news. They just announced that's coming to Steam and other platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Austin told me that Final Fantasy IX is arguably the best of the lot. So I'm really suspicious. <laughs> Should just always be suspicious of anything. The um, the, def- the the thing everyone's Final Fantasy Nine is the favorite Final Fantasy of so many people who haven't played any other Final Fantasy games. Yeah, that's that's, that's what I've noticed. I've noticed like five people who told me I haven't played any of the other ones, but Nine was so good. I loved it so much, and I'm just like, Ugh. why would that be the favorite? Because that one know. relies on knowing the earlier ones. Like maybe that's why, because you don't recognize that it's you know. Aping all these other things, but you know, if I beat nine, then I'll have beaten. If I beat nine and two, I'll have beaten one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and that's really cool, right? Yeah, what, you ten? see, you see where Pat's at after he did that. Oh, <laughs> good point. <laughs> this path Maybe. leads to despair and darkness. <laughs> Maybe I should just play Fantasy Star. It's a good idea. I haven't played any Final Fantasy know, games besides. Yeah, if you play every Fantasy Star game, that also goes. No, down I'm gonna play it. two and four, and then Skies of Arcadia, and then online, and then PSU, and then PSP. Ow! No, I'm gonna. I haven't played any new Final Fantasy games since I beat five in high school. Mm-hmm. So this was this was a nice fresh, and that's probably what was carrying me through it was that on some level, Final Fantasy knows how to kind of carry the player onwards, even when. It's carrying it through bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, so five and eight kind of have that in common, except at least five isn't like so self-important. I don't know. Five is dumb, but it also yeah. has the Sakaguchi charm. Five is um, a really silly game. Yeah, which I can appreciate. Um, four is obviously just fantastic, even though it's really silly. Yeah. It just carries itself with its characters and the fact that it's over really quickly and... Um, the fact that it still stays kind of thematically coherent and Sailor Mooney when eight mm. just doesn't. <laughs> oh my god! I remember I realized into Final Fantasy VIII in Chrono Trigger, Zeal is the mother of two of the major characters. Yeah. 
Zeal is lives in outer space and it's terrifying and ex- and, and it's terrifying and lives inside a giant floating um, space pillar. Zeal also exists outside of time and wants to like live forever alone with Lavos. Zeal accomplishes everything <laughs> that all three witches in Final Fantasy VIII do in like, and she does it with like a sixth of the screen time and dialogue. And one boss fight. And two boss fights. Mm. And she's not even the main villain. <sighs> I just kept arriving at that again. It's like, wow, Chrono Trigger is so much better than Final <laughs> Fantasy Hate. <laughs> yes, we could have told you that. Absolutely. <laughs> this game is really bad, guys. So I'm going to play Final Fantasy Tactics next. Because that came out before 8. Oh, I didn't oh. realize that. I thought it was like eight, seven, eight, nine, then Tactics for some reason. But no, it was 7, Tactics, 8, and 9. So I can preserve my. Yeah. I could have preserved my chronological experience of the series, and played tactics before eight. Yeah, I, I remember did. playing Tobal number one mm-hmm. because it came with the Final Fantasy VII demo, mm-hmm. and then the, there were videos for a few other games on that disc. And then I remember seeing that tactics video and being like, "Holy shit, what is that?" Mm-hmm. That then, game looks amazing. It's probably it's the best Final Fantasy I haven't played along with three. Um, yeah, I played a good chunk of three. That game is real good. Um, yeah, Final Fantasy is really good and cool. Um, eight really deserves it, huh? Yep. It, that's kind of what I feel horrible saying is like, no, this is, yeah, this earns this, this level of ire. I feel really bad saying that because I really, really wanted to like it so much. And I loved Squall for so much. I loved him. I like, I get you. (laughs) I, I, I get you, dude. It's okay. Because his his internal monologue isn't honestly that intrusive. Um, it's it's only there every now and then. And it's very effective when it shows up. It gives a nice mental portrait of this kind of asshole kid who is dealing with a lot of feelings and can't express them. And I'm like, okay, I'm I just want to give you a hug, tell you everything's gonna be okay. But they just don't deliver on that. There's too much noise. <sighs> I want my Jane Austen video game. <laughs> I really want that. That's what I came out of Final Fantasy VIII really wanting was for something to make the romance stuff work. Because that's the only thing that Eight has going for it that none of the others do, really. Um, right. So, all right, I'm done. Yeah, Final Fantasy VIII. If you want your romance JRPG, Hyperdimension Neptunia Run. There you go. Really? All, all right. the gay you could ever want. <laughs> I, need, I need to play that game because you said it's very Sailor Moon and very sweet. And, oh my god, the fucking Ultimecia boss fight and the dungeon beforehand. People kept talking that up as, like, this really cool thing. And (laughs) And you just just, totally lost interest in the game. It just serves no purpose to anything. It's, like, five hours of the game. And it's, like, the seven-stage final boss fight or something. And there's, like, three giant earth-shattering controller-vibrating explosions. Um, And it just means nothing. It's just noise. Right? I, I remember, I think towards the end of that boss fight, doesn't she start talking like there's dialogue? Ugh, she's, it's in, she just totally yeah. changes character. But it's like, like, there's... The rest of the time that you have together. Yeah. Life and is I think, just... And I think at that point, the damage you do doesn't actually matter anymore. You just have to wait it out. Oh, weird. I think when I first played it, I died during that and had to redo that whole fight. Uh, I was pretty not thrilled about that. Ugh. God. 
That game is real dumb. Time compression is real dumb. The orphanage twist is real okay. dumb. That that was the moment the game broke for me. <laughs> well, I like knew that. it was coming, so I was like, okay, okay, I'm still on board. I'm still on board. I'm still. I got this. I get you. I get you, game. I'm on board. I'm here. Get, let me give you a hug. It's okay. Everyone's <laughs> so mean to you, Final Fantasy. You're so. You don't deserve this. People are just so caught up in seven that they didn't see what you are for your real good self inside i love you and then it just just spat in my face and clawed <laughs> at me it's like no <sighs> and that was final fantasy 8 it's probably it's probably the worst of the main 10 besides two is that fair yeah yeah cool because two seems pretty bad so maybe yeah, yeah. But I think in terms of disappointment because of what it followed, I mean, I guess 2 follows the original. That's pretty no, bad I'd as have well. To, I'd much rather play 2, actually, now that I think about it. Oh, gee. I mean, it's a lot shorter, you know? It's probably like 15 or 20 hours or something if you're playing on an emulator with a walkthrough. <laughs> Man. Yep. So you, you cleanse that trash with a different game. So then I loaded up Drakengard 3, and it was so unself-important, and everything was so simple and made so much sense. You're, I told Anna, so there's this game where you kill all, you're a lady, and you kill all your sisters and steal their boyfriends. And it's, I really thought I was kidding. You no, know, it's, it's, it's literally the, her it's, sister. That's literally it. Yeah, it's literally her sisters, and she's literally taking their men. Yeah. The only difference is that they're not really boyfriends. They're more like weird harem slaves. Yeah. Which is great. So this game is every step of the way, all it does is just double down on the simplicity of its premise. Mm -hmm. Um, Every time someone tries to like ring a more complex motivation out of um, the main character, Zero, just like they're all like these super powerful goddess ladies, basically. Yeah, um, and she wants to kill all her sisters so that she has all the power in the world, basically. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, all right, "Is there anything more to it than that?" No, no, I just. Uh, I'm no, I mean to be to be fair, they fucked with her first. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. They cut off her arm. Um, like they fucked her first. So no, she- <laughs> but she was. They only cut off her arm because she was also trying to kill them. <laughs> but, that's but an important still, detail. They they fucked with her first. They, they did first cut off blood. Her arm. So. The, and they killed her dragon. Um, yeah. See? She has oh, all the yeah. reason to kill these bitches and steal their boyfriends. Oh, my God. So, the, the, what made this game for me was the... I'm just going to spoil a little chunk here. Um, before the second sister you murder. Because um, it's just like... Because Shadow of the... It's, it's just like Shadow of the Colossus, basically. Only you only have five sisters instead of 16. So, this game's actually much more economical and smart. Yes. <laughs> um, and before you kill your sister four, they're named after the numbers. They're they are named five four three two one, and you're named zero. Mm-hmm. I, I have a question. Since yeah. You compared to Shadow Colossus, do you get to climb on them? No, you don't actually kill you. The the sisters die in a cutscene. You kill the the monsters their boyfriends summon. Yeah. They're just pretty useless, Aww. actually. It's kind of great. Um, and zero is just the best. All right, so so before the second wife you the second um sister you kill um there's a moment where she's like the sister's reaching out 
Zero, I know there's still good in you. <laughs> You're not the si- this isn't the sister that I knew as a kid before when we loved each other and everything was sunshine and rainbows and <laughs> I just hugged you forever. And then and Zero's like, no, it's pretty much what I've always been. Yeah, yeah. And then a couple minutes and then like a minute later, Zero like stops and she's like, oh, what, where, where am I? Or Four, is that you? Or, or what's going on? Where are our other sisters? And then Four is like, oh, it's you! There's the real Zero! And runs up and gives her a hug. And Zero's like, oh, what's, what's happened all this time? I don't know. Where, where are our other sisters? And then Four is like, oh, one of them's in this forest over here, and the other one's in this place right here, and the other one's in this place right here, and they're precisely <laughs> these locations, latitudes and latitudes. And she's like, oh, thank you. And then she stabs her! <laughs> Right. <laughs> right in right her embrace. It's so perfect. And says, You literally thought I had a split personality, you bitch. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> the Zero is so gloriously foul mouthed, indulges in all of her pleasures, ain't give no fuck about nothing. Mm-hmm. So they take this hacky plot twist and they're just like, Nope. Nothing like that. It's literally just that simple. I literally just want to kill all my sisters. <laughs> and, it, and I'm sure it's going to get more complicated from here on out. I still haven't killed three. Um, but just doubling down on the simplicity of its premise and, double, and just spitting on like split personality gimmick as a plot twist, spitting on... Over dramatics, over dramatics, spinning on um, platforming in a beat 'em up. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I want to, I want to stab the idiot who designed this place. Um, there's one time when a the end screen pops up, and then she's like, swipes it and slashes it to the side. No, it's not over until I say it. Oh, it's over. Yeah, the game does a lot of fourth wall breaking like that yep. too. It's, it's it's very cognizant of what it is and. Um, it's kind of like that the same way with Neptunia really is that I think both games have a very uh, unique tongue in cheek way of going at it only, you know, Drake and guard three is just much more vulgar uh, and explicit about it is like, let's double down on the hyper violence of all this and just make it. So this protagonist, just an awful person. This protagonist is constantly drenched in blood. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a gameplay mechanic. Just you like just gotta drench yourself in blood in order to power up your meter. Yeah, it's so good, and like the blood just sticks to you, and it's just mm-hmm. yeah, it's so it's such an awesome mechanic. Mm-hmm. The face, the facial designs are all really soft, which felt weird to me. Yeah, like, it'd probably be like the, everything could probably just be a little more rugged and a little less anime. I think that that's sort of like what they were going. Sort of I the think point, they were going yeah. for that juxtaposition, though. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it just looks weird because the fa- the voice actress is so like. I guess that yeah, that's probably the point is just the, that juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, it really is trash though. Like she literally just calls her five a slut, and <laughs> then she she like hates five because she likes sex, and then hates four because she's a virgin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's just the worst, honestly. But, but, but it's, Zero herself <laughs> is just like, yeah, I bang these people that I take. <laughs> so it's it's so funny, just the way that that God. character is played. It's so perfect. Mm-hmm. So I think what a what kind of um, makes it work. There's a line where what where like 
the first one you the first one you take, who's just my favorite, who's awful. Oh yes, my. oh he's so awful. He's a bratty sub who's also just completely gets off on the suffering of other people. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, and he's just like, hey, want to bang later? And she's like, eh, if I feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> so she's not like tearing him down or going, oh god. And she's no, not. She's not mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She's just. Eh. It's up to me if I feel like it. Like I really like Zero as a strong female protagonist. I yes. think she works really well. She fucking makes... owns it in the same way Bayonetta owns it. It just fixes God of War. Yeah. It's just all this masculine angst. Yeah. It's kind of insufferable. And it just makes it instantly way more palatable. palatable. <laughs> if only Drakengard 3's combat was, you know, had a little more of the nuance that God of War 3's had or something. Mm-hmm. something. Yeah, I only, I haven't, I haven't really played any of them I, I watched a good chunk of god of war one yeah. which seems which honestly seems like a pretty cool game it's not that bad of, like i replayed yeah. that it seems fine year, i think it makes sense if you're gonna make a beat-em-up just that seems like the thing is like if you're gonna make this game about murdering a bunch of people make your protagonist an awful person and yeah just make him as unre- unrepentant <laughs> and unapologetic as possible and it works so well for dragon guard 3 mm-hmm. um and then, to, and then with the, the God of War loses me because the sequels just kind of. I think I think as a singular, concept, thing, I, yeah. they stretch the concept way too far. For one, like they ran out of mythology by the end of exactly by, by like exactly. halfway through two, and they have the cool thing where he sits down on the throne at the end of one, and it shows all the clips of wars throughout history. Yeah, that's like, real. Like that that first it. game has some really cool moments, mm-hmm. um, but I like you know they kind of just stretched it beyond its means. Mm-hmm. Whereas Drakengard three, even though it's a part of this larger series, it it, it can still stand on its own and do its own thing. Mm-hmm. And I bought Near because that's actually supposed to be like a really really good game. Yeah, I need to get around to playing that. Very, but soon. I just wanted to play Drakengard three because you play as a lady instead, and it's just very trash. And yeah, it's it's it is fun trash. Uh-huh. It really is. Like it's a game that's got a lot of problems. It's like mm-hmm. it's very framey. Uh, the, the, oh, hello, yeah. the, 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 the combat is really dull and boring. Like the, the extra missions and objectives are really dull and boring. And you have to kind of farm them to get yeah, the best thing. You really have to farm them in order Oof. to like upgrade your equipment and stuff. But it's still a fun little trash game that I'm super glad that I, I have. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of get it. Cause like the first Drakengard, I think, um, as I understand it, it had like an ending yeah, and then it made you like jump through hoops to get more endings. Yeah, and the endings get progressively less satisfying. Oh, and that's then the not... final. And the last one is just a joke ending. Well, the, the Dragon Guard Three is kind of the opposite. And then like uh-huh. the initial ending you get, it's not super satisfying. And then you've got to jump through more hoops and more hoops and more. Like the the hoops you have to jump through to get the true ending, I, I've never done it. It's mm-hmm. it's too. It, it is something that literally requires perfection, and I mm-hmm. cannot do it. But yeah, I've seen the final boss clip. It's just it's like, <laughs> like yeah, the, I might just get to that point. Thing, like the 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 rhythm game thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like I only know that I know Ashley's done it once, mm-hmm. and that was not for uh, at like twenty hours of practice. Uh, a Seriously? Final, yeah, it took. Fuck it, that shit! I'll watch it, it on you. I'll watch it on YouTube. I'll play it, most of it. It requires such perfect timing in a game that is framey as fuck. That it's just really unfair. 
I didn't even think that. I didn't. I thought everyone was exaggerating, but if it's that bad, I don't give a no, shit. No, I gave. I was like, no, this isn't happening. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so that game's if, yeah. What if they made Megalovania play during it? Then would you do it? <laughs> if they synced it, if they synced the, the 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 stuff that's happening up to the music, maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe. the music in Dracula is just like <laughs> total movie score or whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. Man, so my reaction to playing that game for like two hours was like, I need to make a secret Tumblr. (laughs) (laughs) I feel in touch with a part of myself that I wasn't aware of before. And I'm also touching myself. (laughs) (laughs) So just for that and the ramifications of that over the last few over the last week, um, Dragon Guard 3 has directly improved my quality of life. And my psych- psychological state <laughs> more in like four or five hours than Final Fantasy VIII did in 40. So it's undoing the damage. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Very quickly. So I don't even, I don't even know if Drinker 3 is particularly, it's not particularly good, but it has a singularity of focus yeah. and vision. It's focused that on is being, so refreshing. It's focused on wallowing in the trash heap that it is in, and it is happy to to have you along. Oh God, I I specifically made sure that the horny old man wasn't in my party, but yeah. it turns out they all talk anyway, no matter yeah. who's in the party. <laughs> because like the first guy is the sadist, the second one is the is the masochist, who's just like oh, somebody says scissors, and he's like oh. <laughs> And then they, they talk about dicks, just yeah. the whole level at one point. Oh my god. It's great. It's just, it's, just, it's so stupid. awful, horny old man who's oh. just the worst. God. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's, I love it. It's the dumbest game, but like oh, I said. Oh, it's so much better than Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> 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 I want to play this for Austin and watch him cry. Oh, he played Dragon Garth and he was like, yes, this is good, but Vanir is better. I was like, okay. Um, um, I mean, I'm not saying Nier isn't better than Drakengard 3, but it's just such a an Austin thing to say. <laughs> so, Drakengard 3 is pretty great. I played a shit ton of Animal Crossing because I, I got Animal Crossing for my birthday in October, and then I realized that I didn't have a DS anymore. Oh. Um, because <laughs> the person who I bought it from, yeah. I took like a year to give him the 50 bucks he asked for it. And he only um, sold his because I sold mine. Um, And then I bought it his from him and then had a great time with it. (laughs) So, and I took a year to pay him and I was just being, I was kind of an ass and I was not just a good person about the whole thing. So I was like, and he was like, can I borrow it? While he he had like a horrible back problem where he was like, bedridden partially oh good and lord. i was like yes take the ds it's yours i'm sorry good lord john <laughs> and terrible. So, so i bought a new 3ds for christmas and a second and anna got a copy of animal crossing so we've been playing it together on our two separate ds's um isabel is the sweetest isabel is the reason to play animal crossing new leaf that game is precious when she it walks is, her oh, she oh, is a bell she is a bell Mm-hmm. Anna's already gotten to the island. I think she. Oh, she, I've. I don't know why. Because she sold all of her fish and fossils, and oh. I. I've been donating them all to the museum. Yeah, but when you get duplicates, you can just sell them. I know that's that's what's happened with me. But she's just been nope, nope. I'm not pursuit of knowledge and culture. 
I want the money. Give me the money. <laughs> um, are you guys playing in real time or are you scumming oh, it up? It. She, she heard. I love you. I love you. I'm not. I'm not saying you did anything wrong. I'm just saying that we had a very different play style, and as a result, you got farther than me faster. I'm not judging you in any way. I love you. Somebody's yeah. not getting laid tonight. <laughs> I love you. She knows the true. All right, that's cold the middle finger. of capitalism. All right. Um, but anyway, Anna's way better at Animal Crossing than me. And, um, set her down in set ha, set her down in front of Reketeer. She'll probably do great. He suggested um, no, of Reketeer, suggested making you play, getting you to play Reketeer, which is a game where you're an an RPG shop owner, and then you populate your store and sell it things. It looks really cute. I made so much money. <laughs> She's just so rolling in the bells. She um, paid I off have... like a third mortgage or something. Jesus Christ! So it's been money. a week. I have more money in the bank than I like. I've been able to pay my mortgages like as soon as they become payable. Oh my god! <laughs> as soon as the ATM. I don't even know how this happened. She's been going to the island and I getting all the so bugs at night. Money. Oh yeah, like those nighttime bugs are worth so nighttime much. Nighttime bugs. Dosh. Yeah, it's Animal Cross. Animal Crossing is so sweet, and I can't wait to get to go to the island too, so I can start collecting bugs for science. It is. If you go to her city, you can go to the island with her. Well, Anna suggested I go to her island, too. And I was like, no, no, it's fine. I'll just wait until I get to go to my own island. That's the fine. The whole purpose of Animal Crossing is to play with other people, you dip. The whole to play with... All right. Now I'm getting insulted. All right. Maybe I should just go to her island. This you visit each weird. other's towns and do things. Like, oh, look, I planted a tree here for you. Aww. Or, oh, I, hey, look, I, we I, went and had an her. island adventure. I went to her town and put some pitfall trips tra- traps down. I did that uh, to somebody's town when they visit, or when I visited them. Like I visited them, and I would dig a hole and I would drop one of the pitfalls and then cover it back up. I did what I put like twenty or so uh, in their town. <laughs> it was really fun. I love you. Anna. So Animal Crossing is really cute and fun. Yep, it's, it's adorbs. Oh, and I got Anna um, Pokemon Yellow, Pokemon Crystal, and Pokemon Emerald. That's way too much Pokemon. Well, she'd play. You, you've beaten all the main seven games if you count the remakes as the main games. So I, I got the um, pre-remade versions. Add games for less. So that's kind of great. That's cool. Um, but yeah, an- <laughs> Animal Crossing and Dragon Guard Three, and um, I finished Downwell, and that was great. I beat um, this game, Jumping Flash. Oh, I bought a PlayStation Vita halfway through Final Fantasy VIII because I was going to Canada for a week and I wanted to keep playing it. Oh, you bought a Vita, huh? Huh. Yep. I can't remember you ever mentioning that on the podcast, (laughs) ever. Oh, I did tweet about that. I did mention that. And I um, played Jumping Flash on that and that game's cool. How many times did he mention his Vita during the Game of the Year podcast? He loved that thing. I I still love that thing. That thing should have been a hit and it Mm -hmm. wasn't. Because Sony fucked it up. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to get Spelunky on it. And it's going to be fun. And I'm going to play Jack 2 and 3 on it. I'll go back and... F- I have only... I only need like 10 stars in the first game to beat it. So I'll probably do that. There you go. And then I'll um, play Jack 2 and Jack 3. Ooh, Jack 2. That's a hard game to love. Mm. 
Oh, it's a hard game to love because it is so difficult. And I played Reed's game Bullet Phase. I've played 17 levels of it so far, and it's really cool. It's real good. I really like. I haven't touched the bonus levels because I didn't want. I don't know how much. I don't know how much he wants us to say about it right now. Go ahead. Since it's not out, it's going to be out very soon. Oh, is it? It's so fucking good. It's so cute. John Um, like beat it the first night. I was surprised. Oh, yeah. I didn't because I had a headache. Yeah, I, I got work. a headache, and then I oh. like the last three, or four levels or so. I was like, "Oh, let's try this." And then um, I was really at a really nice time wrapping it's it a, up. It's basically his Masso core platformer that takes yeah. the idea that he had um, bullet maze, with bullet maze of maneuvering a little icon around the mazes while bullet sprays are at you, and you change your color. It's very Ikaruga ish. But now he took that and applied it to platformer tradition kind of things. And Hmm. uh, it's really, really fucking cool. I compared it to Contra Hardcore because it will introduce elements and use them in like a very cool singular way and then just not bring them up again. Yeah. Um, Which is a subset of how the game um, was developed, according to Reed. Yeah. Um, And I really liked how it worked. The variety was very nice. And if it had been 64 levels or longer, I probably would have gotten really exhausted because yeah. this, is, yeah. this isn't my kind of game, honestly, at this point. Um, so, really? re- uh, yeah, the single screen, the, not the single screen, but like the Massacre flash game platformers, that was yeah. a really loaded genre like four years ago or so. Or so. Yeah, and when this, I started making this. <laughs> yeah, and this is so much better than all of those. Because oh. um, all of them are like, either really self-serious and have like a big serious story that gets told in Gladys voiceover, or they just have no narrative context whatsoever. And this strikes a really nice middle ground, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cute. Um, I recommend bullet phase. Bullet phase is pretty good. It's a better name than bullet maze. Yeah. And there's less dead space in the levels than bullet maze. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Less dead space and repetition. Well, um, that was definitely something I did on purpose. Where in yeah, way too much in Bullet Maze. Like this, each half of the level, like they're all symmetrical, or a mm-hmm. lot of them were. You'd just be doing the exact same thing on both sides. Yeah, like, I really tried to mix that up and like kind of have a twist to mm-hmm. each section. Yeah, it was like um, I think like the second or third level, there was like a key on one side and a key on the other, and then the door, and then the process of getting to each key and the door was the same. It was like okay, um, so this feels more in line with like Ikaruga spirit in that sense i see i very intentionally have not played howland i should do that now (laughs) you can do it now like once your game is out then you can play it yeah so bullet phase is good i played a bunch of cool games um i think that's the extent of it though cool cool so we've already went over basically all the news we have Mm -hmm. uh sort of just through the natural discourse of things uh we got any emails uh, no. All right. Uh, if you want to get in contact with the old Socks cast, your old pals, uh, shoot an email off the podcast at SocksMakePeopleSexy.net or shoot us a mention over on the, the old Twitter box at SMPS underscore updates. The radio, our dear good friend, would like to thank you for joining us on this fine night of podcast recording. This was fun. Hope you hope you had a good time and we didn't bore you too much. <laughs> kind of worried about that coming in because I just uh, I had no game plan. It's just you know you you contacted me kind of the blue one day. I was just like, so uh, you want to 
You want to be on the podcast? It's like, well, I mean, I guess I was kind of already on one, but yeah, I guess we make it official now. And uh, I was, I wasn't ready when you were like, so we're gonna bump it back from the ninth to the first. Is that cool? I was like, all right, you know what? <laughs> I don't need time to prepare. Let's just go for just it. Roll so, with it. Uh, so Do you think we prepare? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I've listened to a couple episodes of the podcast uh, prior to the uh, Game of the Year awards, mm-hmm. so I kind of knew what the general format was going to be like, but I was just like, ah, I, like I've, I haven't really played very many games lately. I don't really know what to talk about without because, you know, the only game that I've really played extensively is one that somebody else is in the middle of right now, so I can't like talk about it, talk about it, but I don't know. I think it turned out all right. Cool, cool. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug, and where can we find you on the old inner butts? Uh, well, I think Sayara would murder me if I did not talk a little bit about our project while I'm on here. So, how about uh, it? We uh, actually, we I kind of have a working history with him from a couple years ago. I made a pitch project in RPG Maker in secret. I would log off of Steam intentionally and just work in the dark while we would be si- we'd be sitting in Skype talking with our group of friends and I would just like banish off of steam and just work on it in the background mm-hmm. uh, because I really love his just like extremely striking and emotionally charged images and when he does like the really surreal like robots or demon things like it's stuff that you just you don't see other artists really doing in that particular way yeah and I thought to myself like I really really want to see these things moving like i want to see them doing something or or being like you know characters in in an extended uh fictional setting of some sort and so i created this like top secret little rpg program uh that was basically the the first half of it was well i guess the first like third was just like a normal rpg maker rpg just literally this normal sprites the default shit that it came with Mm -hmm. i tooled around with some of the plugins made it and then a little bit like like maybe a half an hour of time into it you suddenly start seeing like hand-drawn artwork over top of the tile set which was like really like you know i was i was kind of pulling a little bit from the uh i guess is it ib and uh, mm, I love Eve. Yeah, Eve. Uh, I love those. That was those on my old, list last year. It was so good. I love those. I love those old RPG horror maker games. Or, uh, RPG maker horror games. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. I, just, I wanted. I wanted to try something like that. But you know, at the same time, I also wanted to just you know, I didn't want to do it without his permission. So I, I created this pitch to like see if he'd notice if it was you know what was going on, and he didn't really notice it at first because there was one piece of his thing that was hidden in there that he didn't notice at first. So I was like, Oh, wow. but then as I was sitting in a call waiting while he played it, cause I didn't give him any, any feedback on, it. I didn't tell him anything about what it was. It's like, Hey, check this thing out. And he's like, all right, cool. So downloads, it starts playing it. He finally gets to the part where his art is really obvious. And he's just like, wait a minute. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Like, where did this come from? He's like completely confused. And then there's like a brief scene of just nothing but his artwork and one RPG maker sprite working around on it. And he was, then I had like this little dialogue only section because I was just getting like so tired of trying to do all sprite stuff. So I was like, all right, we're just going to do like direct head to head talking here, messing with them and just checking out all the different things I could do with dialogue and stuff. And then I pitched the game idea to him. I said, I want to do a video game with you. Uh, are you down with with the brown? Are you down for the get down? And he was like immediately just yes. 
And then I vanished for a year and a half. (laughs) 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 I felt so bad that, uh, you know, because he was just so ready to go into it. And we had, like, concept art for some of the characters and things ready, like, a week later and then just gone. Uh, So then we finally... I, I finally rebooted the idea of doing a, a game in March of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not my first game, actually. I did a really short one a couple years back, I think in 2013. I did a Twine game, because I was really into Twine games back then. Uh, thanks to uh, Christine Love and Mattia Bryce and a yeah. couple of their friends. They were like really into it, and just, I was consuming so many of them, and I was like, you know what? Like... I want to. I want to see if I can make one of my own. So I did. Yeah, I still want to make a twine game. I did it in point. the. Oh yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's. I've it's, messed around with the editor. It's so, I made a twine so game about red. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so. It was easy, and I appreciated the, like. It's not not like WYSIWYG, but it's you see in front of you the progression. Yeah. Like the spider web idea, and that yeah. that was something that like I didn't realize I really needed. Mm-hmm. And then I just I fell in love with it. So I made a short one of those in seven days for Halloween 2013. Uh, I can find, I'll find a link for you guys later if you want to play it. I don't have it with me like right now, but uh, 2013 was when I started making games. Good year, good year. Yep. Uh, so I, I have a little bit of experience with making like interactive text. And yeah. I thought I want to take this to the next level. So. On a whim, like on a joking whim in March, I made a joke about like the, the Steam Gaff community from, from NeoGaff and saying, well, you know, we all like Steam and visual novels are a thing and half the people on this topic fucking hate visual novels and anime and the other people can't get enough of it. So why don't I just make a joking visual novel about this community of people? And everybody loved it. And I, I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. So I set up a, uh, a like list of a Google form for people to submit to say, hey, I want to be in the game. I got over 100 submissions, and I was like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. So this went from – I was it was literally just going to be done in a week, like the, the original, like with the Twine game. Yeah. And then uh, here I am now. We're uh, three months away from it being a year old, and it's still not done. <laughs> it's grown massively in scope since then. I assume you're using something like RenP to make it now, or are you still using RPG Maker? I'm doing RenP, uh, which has been an interesting experience because it's so code heavy that I hate. Oh yeah, yeah, but, it's really code heavy. But it's also it's been a learning experience, and I've really appreciated that because with RPG Maker, I touched a little bit of Ruby game, but mm-hmm. I didn't really feel like I learned anything by yeah. the time I was done with the one that I made for uh, for Sayara. But for this, like I, you know, I've got. Yeah, I have uh, Sublime Text up, and I do like little tests here and there to mess with animations and windows and stuff, and just try different things. And I somebody actually bought me the uh, Tyranno Builder uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh-huh. I started messing around with it, and it's just it's missing so much mm. that uh, Renpei lets you do with code, just and it straight up tells you. Uh, and there's some things that Tyranno Builder does better. And it's a little bit easier to get into because it just has a, it has a visual interface that like directly links and shows you everything in perfectly separated blocks. Yeah. So you see the dialogue. It almost feels like you're playing a game when you're piecing it together. Yeah. 
which is really beneficial for for creators, but it's still missing a lot. So I think I'm gonna stick with Renpy to to finish this game off because you know it's it's in a state of limbo right now. Everybody who's been working on it's been busy with holiday stuff, but mm -hmm. uh, you know it's 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 a it's gonna be an interesting one because uh, this is really far out of my wheelhouse. I don't do anime that much these days. I really don't do cutesy anime. Uh, which is like the total opposite of Sayara, who's like drowning in idols over there. Yeah. So when I proposed the idea for this joking thing, I was like, all right, uh, you know, let's let's do it like a, a high school. It's uh, it's called Sujuki or Suijoki Academy, which is the Japanese name for water vapor, <laughs> because I couldn't actually call it steam. No. I or at least I didn't want to call it steam because I felt that was too on the nose. So I yeah. decided to. to make it the uh, Japanese name for water vapor rather than the direct word for steam. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's about a institute where uh, students who enroll are being trained to uh, become employees at the prestigious <laughs> vapor software group like <laughs> Valve. Uh, <laughs> and um, unfortunately for me, Around the time I came up with this idea, uh, who was it? Was it Manga Gamer? Somebody did a, an April Fool's joke where they were announcing that the uh, really hugely fetishistic Euphoria visual novel was going to be released. And they made an identical oh. clone to Steam called Vapor. Oh, yeah. I actually know, I actually know what Euphoria is. Literally weeks after I penned this whole idea, they did that, and I was like, "Oh God!" Like <laughs> flying too close to the sun here, because now yeah. they're gonna now they're gonna associate it with that, and I just. Oh. Mm, I don't but, think you want to associate it with Euphoria. <laughs> uh, I don't at all. But you know what? It's too late in the game now. We're just full, full. Just go for it. full, full steam ahead. ahead. Yeah, there we go. Full water vapor ahead. Uh. And I haven't, I haven't really talked a whole lot about what actually is going to happen in the game. Uh, I think I'm going to keep most of them the wraps. But I, uh, I know some, I know some people who are following the project are listening to this uh, now. So I want to drop something for them. God, what do I want to, want to drop? Uh, well, one of the other, I guess you know, since. Since the joke is pretty obvious by now, what it's what we're referencing here, uh, one of the characters who I have not shown off yet, and I've had Sayaraki under wraps for the uh, the visual teasers, the dean of this esteemed academy is literally a hand drawing of Gabe Newell with his <laughs> eyes blacked out. <laughs> oh God. And uh, he is. Uh, I don't. I, can, I don't want to say how much of an important role he's going to have in the story, but uh, he he's been one of those ones that I've just been like, you know, every time we we do a teaser, I'm just like, don't don't bring up Gabe. Like we're just not. We're not going to talk about him. But you know, the, now that it's just obvious what this game is about, yeah. Gabe Newell's in the fucking game, people. I, I don't know how much he's going to appreciate that, but <laughs> well, he's uh, a little bitch anyway. He is well. Not as big of a bitch as Sayara is, but... Yeah, but still, kind of a bitch. <laughs> uh, so Nobody, we're... Nobody's as big of a bitch as Sayara, let's be honest here. <laughs> you guys. 
What? So, you can't deny it. See, he can't deny it. No, it's just pure he silence. Can't deny it. See how it is. Yeah. Uh, so to, to you know wrap that all up because I've been blabbering about that for longer than I kind of wanted to. Oh, it's okay. It's fun listening to people talk about game development. I, it's it's been really interesting for me because. I've I've always worked on projects at an extremely just volcanic pace. Like I pounded like I I pound writing out like it's nothing usually. Like I usually do NaNoWriMo mm. every year. Uh I do oh, 50,000 cool. words in cool. about 6 days. Am <laughs> God, that's uh, cool. I've done that almost every single year and I think in 2014 I did it twice, once for the <laughs> summer and once for the normal. Like, I'm just, you know, writing is what I do. I used to write about video games, and now I write video games is the, the transformation that I've made. Yeah. Or at least I'm kind of hoping to. Like, after after this, uh, after Sujoki Academy is done, you know, I hope people like it. It's not really meant to be a serious thing. Uh, I only really thought about doing it because I just loved Paddleful Boyfriend so much for being just absolutely outrageous. <laughs> yeah, the absurd thing that it is. That was the first visual novel that I had played in a long time. Probably been five years or more at that point. Wow. And I was just, that was the one I came back to. And I was like, okay, I think I want to make one of these one day. So that's, that's what it, it will be eventually. Um, yeah, it's been a huge learning experience because I've had, I've never actually worked with other people on the game before. It's always just been me, you know, with the various experiments, the stuff that never got released. Right, and then the the twine game was just all me, uh, you know. For other projects, I've worked with people, but we would be we would be working like at just an extreme pace. And with this, it's just been so relaxed and chill. And I feel kind of bad because, I've, you know, people have been waiting for this, and I think they've been expecting it. Uh, they expected it a long time ago, and it's just to the point now where I'm the like, I wish I had something. It's just tell you. not to care. Like I, I, but I care though. Like that's the <laughs> problem. Like I, I care too much because I'm so excited about just getting it done and having a, a fuller game experience out with my name on it. That like the wait is killing me more than it's killing everybody who's waiting. But like I feel mm-hmm. so bad because I want to, I want to show them things. And I want to tell them things. But then if I do, there'll be nothing left for the fucking game. So, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's been fun, and I like I like uh, watching other people put their games out and get to talk a bit about it. You know, I know, uh, I know, I know that there's multiple game makers in here. I've actually, I don't think I've seen any of Rhett's games, but I did see you post about the most recent one, John, because I was following you on Twitter Public for Clicker. a little while. Right? I yeah, think so, Public yeah. I was, mm. I was following you for uh, a little bit after I was first introduced, and I remember you launching that one. I was like, oh my god, like these people make games too. This is amazing. Mm. I love, I love it. You can learn a lot mm. just by hearing other people talk about their creative process, and maybe one day mm. I'll puke out some sort of post-mortem when this is all said and done for the people who want to read a bland visual novel break because there's not really game mechanics to to talk about i guess you could talk about branching paths but there's not much to talk about but maybe i'll do something but i love i love hearing about other people working because it kind of gives me ideas and it kind of helps you kind of separate the process of creation into Mm -hmm. like layers so you can kind of identify where people apply like the the root of an idea how it grows and kind of attaches to the game mechanics and the characters in the world and then eventually you know piecing it all together and putting that final polish on it and then getting it out there because that's something mm-hmm. that i didn't really think about quite as much when i was 
reviewing games, like I look at it as a whole, but now that I've had some experience and talked to a lot of people who've made them, it really know, changes it, things. It really does. Like it, I feel like I, I don't really want to go back to reviewing games, but I think if I did, it'd be more of a technical affair, which I think would be pretty interesting to try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember starting a blog in 2013 so I could write about video games, and then I just started making video games and basically stopped <laughs> writing about them. Yeah, I wanted to make one 10-minute long action game that I had started working on like three years ago and then started again in, from the beginning a year ago. And I wanted to release that 10-minute long action game this year, and I have not. <laughs> hey, no, this year just started. You got plenty of time. Oh, that's true. See? Cheating. This is when I started last year. was like at the very end. But... Maybe this time. This time I'll go for it. 2016 will be the year. And I have another game that's going to be about three minutes long. That's going to just be a Herculean undertaking. But I'll, <laughs> maybe I can finish. You'd be surprised. Jesus. No, I don't doubt. Oh, my God. I'm so excited, though. I released one game this year, and it was Hummingbird Lovers Psychic Supernova. <laughs> Which was just the dopiest thing. But I'm glad something. Cool. Uh, where can we find you if we want to keep up with all that fun stuff, Mr. Radio? Uh, you can find me pretty much exclusively these days on Twitter. Uh, what the hell is my URL here? I guess uh, at, at un- the underscore uh, the underscore radio. Yes, at the underscore radio. Uh, I I don't really have a website or a blog. I don't. I haven't written for anywhere in probably a year or so now. So I'd it's pretty much exclusively where you'll find me unless you have me on like Skype or Discord or Steam or something. Uh, so if you if you uh, if you enjoyed and want more of me, you can find me on Twitter. You can hit me up on Steam if you want to. You can add me there because I've got uh, I got a couple people here on Steam, so you can get my profile from them if you pester enough. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I haven't. That's that's pretty much it. Cool, cool. John, where can we find you? Farawaytimes.com. Rhett, where can we find you? N3.tumblr.com. And yeah. be sure to look out for Bullet Phase coming out in a few days. In a few days. Oh, uh, shit. There will be a big old post on the front page about it. So we'll be, as usual, plugging the <laughs> hell out of uh, anything he puts out. Oh, so. yeah. Plug me, baby. Hell, yeah. That's what you want. I know how you like it. So, uh, yeah, you can find me at my dumb website. Uh, oh, and rem- oh. What? Didn't you have another new website? Ha! Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, it's called uh, SocksMakePeopleSmutty.tumblr.com. It's exactly what you think it is. Mm-hmm. And remember, we're the podcast that loves you. We're the only ones that love you.
tell you 